And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Josh the Punk Thompson, we are back again. The Weighing In Podcast is here after a heavy, heavy week of fights. We had fights on Thursday night with one championship. We had the Bellator on Friday night, and then Saturday we had the UFC with the main event of Marvin Vittori against, as Dana would say, the mouth, Kevin Holland, who again looked good in the first round after that. Not quite so much. We'll talk about that fight, but how are you feeling after your flight home, baby? I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, uh, I'm a monster in, and I feel like it hasn't really given me a pep in my step. But uh, yes, yes <laughs> you're doing it as well. Yeah, they just they just came out with a new a new. Uh, they bought a brand called Rain. I guess there's no sugar in it, and uh, it's like got three times the caffeine. So we tried it this week. When we were at Bellator. And, uh, yeah, it, it works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah. It works. Uh, it's a little sweeter. I'm not a big, but I don't know. You know, it's got the, I'm sure it's got the fake sugar stuff in it that makes yeah. it super sweet. But, yeah, it, it definitely kept my eyes wide open. But, uh, no, we're just, we're, po we're powered by Monster right now. Powered by Monster, that's a good thing. Yeah, because, like, we, like, I, my car picked me up at 3.30 from the airport a.m., by the way. <laughs> and, and then we, you know, I get to the airport, my flight leaves at 5.50 land in detroit transfer planes i actually had to run to my thing it's it's exhausting when you have to run and you're super tired because <laughs> what happens we got to the gate and for some reason they couldn't get the door open and so we were right there at the gate for 20 minutes waiting for them to get the door open to let us out of the plane you know and so it took a while right in there we run to my plane my next plane so you got to sleep a little then because see my my shuttle was three o'clock and my flight was five fifteen, and i went to chicago and just a pain in the ass. I don't like Chicago. I don't like. <laughs> oh, I hate going there. I don't like. Although they do have there. that airport, they have a beautiful. There's like a. It's like all glass ceilings with like uh, they've got like American flags that line the whole thing, or they've got a bunch of different flags. They they yeah. it, I think sometimes, yeah. but it, that's a really cool part of the airport. But the rest of the airport, I'm not a big fan of. I don't like. I don't like Salt Lake City Airport either. It's like a fucking nightclub in there, and right now I'm. I'm like, okay, look, let's just, let's not take any chances. I'm trying to make, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I, need like to, I need to go to work. The one place I will never, if I, unless I really have to just never LAX, it's disgusting. They've got like carpet that has like tons of food spots, dog pee everywhere. Like you see people walking with their dogs in there. They're sleeping on the floor, their dogs sleeping next to them. It's yeah. disgusting. I'm like, <laughs> I see a people. I have. I see parents with their kids in there, and like their kids are like walking, crawling on the ground, They're crawling on it. Yeah, that's just, the worst part. So gross, man. It's just disgusting. You would think for LAX, you would think it'd be like it'd be like more well kept. You know, I'm sure that airport makes a lot more money than most airports. You know, given it's so busy, but it's, it's a fucking disaster, it's a disaster. But I am glad the one thing they did fix though was their. Uh, was their uh, uh, rideshare pickup? They finally got it fixed, so it's like right down the way. You can walk to it, or you can take the shuttle all the way around to it, whatever. But you can finally before they they took you off to this far off parking lot, and then your your phone service didn't work. <laughs> like they literally just dropped you in a fucking parking lot and abandoned you. And it's like okay, so you hey, you were forced to take a taxi. You were forced to because the taxis knew that there was no cell service there, so you couldn't order a car. I was like, this is the dumbest fucking thing. So they no, it's not. It's brilliant. 
brilliant if you're the taxi people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, all right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's try. I think one was on Wednesday. It was on Wednesday. One was on Wednesday. So we should talk yeah. about one first. Let's yeah. go in order. Let's get into it. Let's go. Yeah, we'll, we'll go in order. Let's get into uh, Eddie Alvarez. This is obviously your department. This is what a lot not of my department. You need to talk about that because oh, I'm not what? going to. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, John. Tell me about your frustration. No. Oh, um, Jesus. We have to remember that I believe, and then you can obviously uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're hitting someone, your glove is making contact with the ear. If they turn their head more and you hit them again, it's on the fighter. It's not on the person who is throwing the punch because you turned while they were throwing. Right? Am I correct? You are correct. Yes. And so, and then uh, he hit him, he hit him twice, I believe. But there, you know, one of those times could be argued that it hit the, it also hit his glove and then hit his head. Well, there's no doubt Eddie hit him to the back of the head at one point. Yeah, yeah. he did. Mm -hmm. But see, all of this, this is where people start to lose it because everything's not black and white in this world. Okay. Even, even, even when I taught for LAPD, I would tell, the first thing I would tell the people in the class, look, the only thing black and white is the stupid car you're going to drive. Everything else in this world that you're going to deal with is gray. And it's your ability to figure it out and work it out in that gray area. And this is where let's talk about the, you know, what happened with the referee. The referee is responsible if I was the referee or if it was Herb or if it's the referee of that fight, you are supposed to go in the back and you can verify this. If I went in the back, I talked to you about a little bit about rules, the ones that are important, the ones that seem to take place more often than anything else. So grounded fighter is something we'll kind of cover. I'll talk to you about when I'm going to say you're down, when you're not, I'm going to talk to you about the back of the head, what it is. What I'm going to say to you if you are, if you hit the back of the head, what I'm going to say to you if you hit the back of the head, but it's on your opponent and what I expect from you from that point forward, all of these things that we go over, it's called bout conduct. What I'm going to say to you if you're in trouble and what I expect from you and all these different things. Because if you want to be successful as a referee in the front, which means in the cage, you need to be successful with what you do in the back. I don't know what was done in the back. I don't know if anything was uh, done. You know, there was a, you know, one-on-one with the fighter or not. I don't know if that's what uh, was done with one here, but it should be. It always should be. And this is one of the reasons why, because in this situation, the first thing you really got to look at is when Eddie takes Lapicus down, he, he laces the legs, a la a Khabib. He, he really works towards lacing those legs picking the, the legs up off the ground so he can keep him in that position. But look, you got to look and see exactly where is Eddie's head because Eddie's head is up and he's using it kind of like I say as a third arm and it's right up against his opponent. And so to think that he can just see exactly what is going on, he can't. And so the rule is you cannot, no directed strikes to the back of the head. And the back of the head is from the crown of the head, which is that little nodule that everyone has that's a, like a little divot in your head. It goes straight down, all the way down your spine with a one-inch variance to each side. So it's a two-inch space, okay? Now, it also covers the neck. So from where that occipital junction, your skull and your spine connect, all the neck area there to your trapezius, stay off of that. So he does, you know, as you're starting to get to the point near the end of it, yeah, he does hit it. But this is incumbent upon the referee to do the right thing to make sure that Eddie understands 
that his opponent is turning his head because Eddie's not able to see this. It's not like, you know, he's, he's looking over him. We had one in Bellator where Dan Mergolata takes points, but the fighter is looking down at the head and can see exactly where they're striking. The fighter's responsible for where they strike. But in this situation, Eddie has got his head placed up and he's looping shots from the side. Directed means you're coming straight at it. When a fighter is looping a shot, it's telling you that he's trying to hit the ear. So he's hitting the head and hitting the ear because that's why he's looping that shot in. And if his opponent starts to turn their head, then if the opponent turns their head and Eddie hits that spot, you tell him, watch the back of the head. And in the back, you've told him, when I say watch the back of the head, what I'm telling you is you just struck the back of the head, but it's on your opponent because he turned his head into it, which caused it. But I need you at this moment to redirect to either another target or use another type of weapon so you can continue on with your attack. So I expect you to either switch hands, go to a hammer fist, switch targets, any of those things, just do not come back with another shot to that same area, or now it's going to be upon you. Yeah. Makes sense. But that's not what happened here. And you can see that Eddie, at a point when he hears the referee, he goes from this trying to loop shots to he turns into a hammer fist, which is telling you, oh, you want me to change? And he starts to do it, and the referee comes in and says, that's to the back of the head. So, Yeah, um, I, I got the feeling and the vibe that uh, Lapikas didn't want to be there anymore. Oh, no. That's the vibe and the feeling I got. The other thing uh, as well is the ref didn't have to DQ him. He could no, he did stopped not. it, stood them back up, taken a point or given him a stern warning, whatever it was, and made him start from a standing position again. I mean, you could have looked at it in a bunch of different ways. There was no reason for him to uh, DQ him. And this, you know, what one of the things that needs to be understood by all officials, you know, and and, and the top guys that they get this, you know, for for the guys that want to get into that position and want to be the guy. Okay, you guys need to understand. You have a responsibility to a lot more than your understanding. You have a responsibility to those fighters. You have a responsibility to your commission if you have one you have a responsibility to the promotion and you have a responsibility to the fans of mma and the sport of mma that you're going to do something that's reasonable within what you can do just to take a championship fight and throw up a red card or to disqualify somebody you're not using your brain you're not being reasonable and you're not thinking about the full context of what you have you have limited power in certain areas to do things and you try to just lend that out in a judicious fashion you don't become the judge jury and executioner unless you have to and you need to figure out was eddie alvarez attempting to foul lapicus no he was not attempting to foul yeah and so there's no intent there if eddie alvarez has Lapicus in this and has his face against and then turns over and bites his nose, then Eddie Alvarez needs to be disqualified because that is something that is just way outside of the sport, way outside of the rules. But to think that a fighter knows every, exactly where everything is landing or where exactly where they're at or where their opponent's at, man, you're asking too much of fighters. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Do you always know exactly where your shot's landing or exactly where your opponent is? No, you don't. You don't know if he's, do I know if he's up or down? I don't. So I'm not going to do something a lot of times, 
but you don't know exactly that position and can't expect that upon people in all these situations. Well, there's a couple of things. Fighting is an, is an instinct thing. Like after you've done it, it for years like Eddie Alvarez has, he's like one of the pioneers of this sport. He's really just, he's going based off of instinct. He knows how to control the head position like he was doing, pushing his, his opponent's head to one side so he knew where the where to strike, what, where he thought he could strike. Where he thought he could. But when your opponent turns their head more, you're not, that's something he can't see. He can't. And he can't control it. Yeah, he can feel it a little bit but he doesn't know if it's landing clean or not. You are responsible for your strikes, though, and where they do land. You should be responsible for them, but not all of them. You won't be able to see all of them like you were saying. Um, you know, but the adjustment need to be made. I don't, still, I don't, I don't think in that, type of, um, in that type of magnitude of a fight, you can't, you, as a ref, you can't make it about you. Oh. And then you hear you hear you hear this all the time in the NFL and the NBA in the finals of whatever whatever championship it is. The refs need to just let them play. And that's really what it comes down to. Like a lot of these refs that are now getting into the bigger platforms, being able to do main events, are starting to almost it seems like they're trying to make it about them. They want to have a little bit more control. They want to, you know, they want to make it. They want to show that they're in charge. Yes, and then that's going to start taking away from the fighters, and that potentially can start ruining fighters' careers. I mean, you get one loss, now your mindset is not the same as it was when you were coming in riding high, you know, off wins. Now you have a loss. Now there's a threat of like, hey, gosh, if I get two losses in a row, it's going to set me back another two years before I get a title shot. That's what goes through for these fighters' minds. When I I think of, okay, I've lost one, okay? Shit. You know, I've got to win the next one. And when you win the next one, okay, I'm back on track, but I got to get better. I got to keep winning because I got to get back to where I was. I've, I've got a loss recently. But if you lose two in a row, you're thinking to yourself, I've got at least Third. another, yeah, it's, you're looking a year and a half, two years, unless I'm it's scary. Out. But yeah. every time you fight, there's a chance of losing again. So that's, you got to remember that. It's not like, okay, all I got to do is rack off two. It's not that easy when you get to Eddie's level to rack off two or three solid wins. It's not. So when you get a setback like this, basically controlled by a, a, a ref, yep. you're playing with people's emotions and their livelihoods. You've got to just stay out of it, do the best you can to stay out of making, like you said, being the executioner in this situation. And I feel like the ref, he inserted himself in a position he didn't need to insert himself in. There should have been, if there was. If there he was, should have inserted out. himself in a different fashion yes. that allowed Eddie to know Oh, I need to change this. Yep. When the referee thought, okay, now you've got to change it. We'll give him that information. Yep. And now if he doesn't change it, now it's on him. But you got to give him that. Well, even and he if- did it because you can see when the referee talked to him, Eddie changed, but the referee comes in and stops it and takes the fight from him. But see, and that's even- where you're going, you're going a little far. Even if he even if he did change and he still hit a legal strike, say foul, foul, stop. Give the other make guy a, time to recover. Stand Eddie up, okay, and then take whether take a point or just stand him up take and start position. Up control and say, "Hey, you've got a very stern warning. This is it." I mean, I don't know how many times I've been hit in the back of the head, okay, and gonna. illegally flout, and then the guy's gotten like six or seven warnings. You know, that's Mister Herb Dean himself. He loves to do that shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've seen refs give several warnings. That, I mean, he gave him the one warning, and then this action happened. Kind of gave him a second warning, like as he was hammer fisting him. It's too the late. Hammer fists were all good. We're all legal. You've got to you've got to break in there and say, okay, look, look, separate, stand him up, give him a stern warning, or take the take the point, and then let them continue fighting. That's what he should have done. 
um, shitty situation for Eddie Alvarez. What it is is a really serious, shitty situation for one. Oh yeah, your first your first big time at, you know on TNT, and then you have a ref that really didn't know how to control the situation in which he was handled, in which he was given, and he stole the he stole the, he stole the spotlight. Of yeah, these, but, you know, of let's just fight. be honest. Let's put let's put the the responsibility where it, where it belongs. Then it belongs on one. They're the ones that hired him. They don't have a commission. Mm. They chose him. They're chosen. Their, they're they're ones choosing their those people. So I'm trying to be responsible positive. for them. Let's try to be positive today. Okay? <laughs> I know we're both tired, but let's not bring the negative. I am being positive. I understand. I understand. I'm so positive. <laughs> um. I mean, outside of that, I was ho- really looking forward to that fight. And the shitty thing was, is you and I walked in. Or I walked into the hotel room, and I was like, getting ready to watch it. It was fucking, over. It was over. I'm like, what the fuck happened? No. And then I, you know, I get the notice on my phone, you know, basically saying that, you know, Eddie was DQ'd. I'm like, son of a bitch. So, um, as far as the uh, Adriano Marais fight uh, against Demetrius Johnson. Oh. It's just, you spent, you know, DJ, I'm sure, has spent. Or I know he has. He spent most of his career in a, in the sport that doesn't allow this, which and I, I've always been. You know I am. I'm in favor of these the, the knees on the ground. Mm-hmm. Hey John, maybe not so much. I didn't say I'm not. I just oh, know it's okay. never going to happen. You just know it's never going to happen. So you've learned just to kind of like just say, you know what? I'm not in favor of it then. <laughs> I, just, I know it's I, never going to happen. I know. I never say I'm in favor of it or I'm not. I just yeah. say no, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Gotcha. But uh. I thought honestly, I was like, it was shaping up to be a really good fight. Yeah, it was. The one thing that I really looked at when I'm, you know, and, and one has their weight, you know, uh, hydration oh, yeah. tests and stuff. There was a huge difference in size between Demetrius and Marais. I'm just like, damn, you know, because, you know, Mar- not only was Marais taller, which is, that's okay, but <laughs> he was still bigger. Look at his chest, look at his back. He's bigger. And so it's uh he's a that's as big a flyweight as you'll ever find. <laughs> yeah, he was enormous. He's got really chick he got chicken legs like me. So he's got really small legs. Yeah. You know, like look at his calves. I don't even know if he has calves, just like bone. <laughs> but um but I mean he's ripped, he's shredded. It's, oh he is. He's got a lot of movement. That's probably why he's got chicken legs. Yeah. But um yeah, he's got good footwork, good movement, changing the 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 position every time. I thought I thought he fought a really good fight, very smart he fight. Did. He knew. I think these fighters they know if you get like an Eddie or you get like a DJ or anybody else that comes over from another promotion that is not used to these rules, you better learn to train these rules. Though this is you have to get you have to get used to that. You can't stick your head in the same spot. You can't no. do the same things. You can't get yourself up the same way. You no, protect sit, yourself. Sitting up in that half guard position like DJ was trying to do, and then um, Rice being able to f- to frame him away and hit the knee. Those are not things that we normally think about because we're like, oh, we're good, or we're, we're on the ground, you know. And so we're not thinking we're going to get knee in the face. I've always been in favor of these rules. I think it definitely makes for a lot more of an exciting fight. I'm a big fan of one. I like one. I like uh, Chatri and you know and Victor Q and all the guys that are there, Rich Franklin and them, Matt Hume. You know, they're gr- they're a good group of people that run that that promotion. Um, but I do, I do know there was some comments about the production side of it all. I didn't think it was very good. <clears throat> you know, I'm just want to make sure it's we're clear on this. The production itself wasn't good. I'm sorry, guys, but Rich Franklin is probably about 230 pounds. 
maybe 220. <laughs> he's, he's probably about 220, 230. Give that man a bigger desk to stand out. Okay. If he's <laughs> there, okay, you've got the Shavalo guy and you've got their other commentator. The, the, two of them, the two of them are sitting like in front of a fucking bar stool, basically, is what it looks like. You can't even. <laughs> it's so, I'm like thinking to myself, Gosh, you got three, three very. You got, you got two at least. Shavalo and uh, two pretty good size guys. Two pretty big size. Yeah, you, you, you got two heavyweights and one one guy. He's a, he's yeah. a welterweight. Yeah, I'm just like thinking to myself, come on, man. And so when we're when we're watching it, I'm like that that was one thing, and like they're crammed in behind this little thing. And then on top of it, I mean, the overall the fight the fights were the the Demetrius fight was good. The other two fights, the uh, the Muay Thai guy. Uh-huh. Damn, he was good. I can't remember yeah. his name. Uh, what was? I his couldn't name? say his name if I was in Rotong. I want to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was it called? What was his Wasn't name? it Rotong? Yeah, he's not on. Oh, he's not on. He's not on the list. Not on this list here. But yeah, he fought. He he is a savage. He's a savage, and you could tell his first round he was still getting warmed up. But what was your overall takeaway from the DJ fight? And you know the overall takeaway, and then you know, as simple as it gets, this is what we have been telling people all along. And I'm going to say, look, DJ is one of the best MMA fighters I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. He's fantastic. And people want to put him in a, the place of he's the greatest of all time. Well, he's the greatest of all time of uh, flyweights. Yeah. You know, and so at least that and what happened, he got beat. Now he got beat under a different rule set. Yes. But that's the rule set he's been fighting under for a little while now. So I can't, I can't put it on the rule set. He got caught by someone who utilized a tool at the right time, the right way, and made him pay for it. But this just goes to show, look, there's a lot of people out there uh, that the fans that are, you know, just into watching basically the UFC, there's a lot of fighters out there that are really good and they are, you know, capable of fighting with anyone. And that just kind of, it proves it to you. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> you know, because I would, I would definitely put DJ being the top guy at 125 across our. Oh sport yeah, across since for, since, for the, since for the life of the sport. Yes, no so doubt. hands down, and it could be anybody, and that's the great thing about our sport, though. It could be anyone's night at any time, you yeah. know. And that night it was Mariah's night, but DJ will, I'm sure, I'm sure oh, they could fight back. again, and DJ could win. Yeah, exactly. But it really does come down to, um, they're everywhere. There's tons, there's tons of other fighters everywhere around the world that are not even in any of the three top promotions. You could say one, Bellator, P, even PFL, and yep. UFC. There's fighters that are out there. They're not even in any of those or signed to any of those promotions. They're that studs. Are savages. Yeah. Like, just straight up beast. They'll probably come into these into these promotions and just explode. It's pretty much like, you know, up until Chimeyev made his, deb his debut, no one, I mean, they, I had never heard of him. Never heard of him. Maybe you had, but I had yeah, never I had heard him. of. I had never heard of him. You know, I had actually watched him in a wrestling match. Oh, it's the first time I ever saw him. He was wrestling in a competition that was in, uh, I want to say Norway, but that was the first time I ever saw him. I went, mm, yeah, well, he's a Chechen. They, they got a Russians, Russian wrestling. He's living there. Okay, yeah. You know, so I mean, like, there, there's a lot of guys that are out there that are locked in, too, to, to contracts in Russia, contracts yes. in Brazil, contracts in other countries. And people need to understand not only are they locked into contracts, mm -hmm. it's who owns those contracts. Yeah, you got very careful. Very <laughs> careful. You try to get out of those contracts. Going you, anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might find yourself at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, yeah, you've got to be, they, you know, and that's the other thing is they know where their bread is buttered. You know, whatever those outside promotions are, whether it's in, in, in other countries, 
and who owns that promotion and who owns that contract. You know, let's not forget, Pride for the longest time was basically run by the mafia. People talked yep. about it, they knew it, you know, and you know, and Dream I think was pretty much kind of around the same thing. You know, there's other promotions that had started as well. Um you know that that have been the same thing so the and i don't think it's any different when you get into areas like you know there's promotions in mexico there's promotions in brazil there's promotions in russia promotions in other countries i know in africa they've got a, an amazing promotion there but i've been to africa and one of my best friends trevor prangley's from south africa and a lot of the, there's a there's a couple mafias that that are out of there there's like a cameroon mafia there's a russian mafia there's a couple other uh, uh mafias that run out of there as well and they run the promotions and so <clears throat> way of making money. Yeah, it's a way of making money. And those fighters, even though they're great and they're phenomenal, if they plan to stay in that country, they cannot they cannot leave. They're being told that they need to stay. So to think that every top fighter is in, you know, has the freedom to go to the UFC or wherever they want, or wherever they want is absolutely not true. And so until those those people that own those contracts allow them to leave, which is or they get or they get paid to, so someone else takes them. Exactly. That's true. That's true. That's, that's exactly what happens. happens. Yeah, that's exactly what happens, to be honest. Um, overall though, um, I, I actually am excited for what, what they're doing. They're doing another show, I believe on TNT. What? Not next week or the week after. I thought it was next week, isn't it? Next week? I think it's next week. They haven't. Yeah. Uh, 14th. Yeah. That would be next week. Next week. <laughs> that would be next week. I, I'm sorry, but the whole, I can't believe we're already 10 days in. Is it 10 days into April? I know. I'm like this whole, these last two weeks have just blur. It's been a blur, and this next week's going to be the same thing because we have another show for Bellator. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm excited. Look, uh, they've got on the 14th, the 21st, the 28th, they're stacked for the month of April, and then they skip a whole month, and they go to uh, to the 28th of May. You know, But uh, those next three shows, though, are on TNT. You have TNT 2, TNT 3, TNT 4 uh, for their shows. I tip my hat to them, man. Like there, there was a lot of stuff for them trying to break into the U.S. market. Let's see if it works out for them. But I know that TNT, I'm sure, has got to be happy with their uh, with their uh, with their ratings. I mean, they rated at what we were talking about. Their demographic was a little widespread, just to be honest. Eighteen to forty. It was eighteen to forty nine. I think eighteen to forty nine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty big widespread. Bracket. Pretty wide. Yeah, it's you, usually eighteen to thirty four. Yeah, somewhere in there, you should have. You know, or twenty five to forty or something. You got to figure the people they got fighting on the next card. You know, Christian Lee. Got a sister, Angela Lee, yes. who's really good. You know, he's fighting Timothy. Oh, Timothy and Nastukin. So, yeah. Timothy, I want to remind people, Timothy, he's got four losses. I want to say that he's either knocked people. He's All of his wins are by first-round knockouts. Even Eddie uh, Alvarez. Yeah, yeah. Beat, he beat every Eddie Alvarez on his debut. The other okay. thing is, well, and his losses are also by like almost first-round losses. <laughs> a lot of his wins are by first-round knockout, and then a lot of his, are, his losses are by first-round submission, or he loses in the first round. He's a fucking bull. He's a powerhouse. Oh. I wish, I wish for the longest time <clears throat> before he fought Eddie. I wish we could have uh, Bellator could have signed him. Uh, he was good, you know. I was, I was really talking good. about him for uh, years ago when I was working for one as a commentator there. So, uh, you know, you against Christian Lee, who is the champion, so he will be fighting uh, <clears throat> Timothy for the title there. That's awesome, man. That's gonna be a good fight. It is. I'm gonna watch because I'm a big fan of Timothy and uh, Christian's a good kid. Yep. Um, other than that, I mean. Overall, I thought I thought the show was I thought the show, the production side of it to me wasn't great, and maybe I'm being a homer, whatever you want to call it. Oh. It just, it wasn't great. People were like, "Oh God, it looks so nice," and I'm like, "It looked blah." And I've always said this about I've always I said also, about it Bellator. Looked 
<clears throat> I said this about Bellator though before Coker took over. The gray canvas, the the gray and black bumpers, you know, or the gray and black on the it just to me it doesn't make it pop on screen. You know what I mean? They have a little bit of that like kind of that grayish black look. So when you're making a T when you're on TV, it just looks blah. You know, I like I think the UFC and then even Bellator, but Strike Force was the same way. They kind of have that like light blue. So it pops a lot more. I've always liked the white canvas. <clears throat> I've always liked that white canvas, white bunk, like uh, white ropes or white uh, bumpers. You know, the old pride stuff. Yep. I like that. I like that look. Um, but this kind of has like a blah look on TV. Um, but I get it. It just looks like a cage to me. It looks like all of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If it's Bellator's, the UFC's, PFL's. I'm just I'm looking at I'm thinking in terms of like something that catches my eye. If I'm if I'm a fan, if I'm a casual at home, okay, if I'm a casual at home on podcast Dave, okay, if I'm a casual at home and I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> it's not really catching my eye when I'm flipping the channels. I'm like, oh okay, cool, let's watch these guys fight. You're, you're very artsy fartsy, man. I am, I am. I'm one of those <laughs> serious. Like I loved, I loved when I tuned in, I couldn't I couldn't scroll past glory kickboxing because every time I, I I would hit it, I was like, oh wow, white gloves. White and black gloves. White and black. Pop. Great. Pop. White and black, great corners. Yes, this is great, man. This is awesome. And so I would just get addicted to watching it because it was so, it just popped off the screen at me. The one doesn't have that. They got. I think they got to make that adjustment. They've always had that kind of grayish canvas with black writing, and it just doesn't doesn't give it to me. You know, but they, I mean, their fights are fucking insane. I mean, I remember calling some of their fights and their talent that they have, especially on the feet. Oh, oh it's just nasty. Nasty good. Um, but yeah, they fight again next week. So if you guys can't tune into them, they're on TNT for TNT two. Watch them. Yeah, watch them. Give them, a, give them all. Yeah. Look, you guys, we talked about this. Fighters. Uh, we've talked about this forever. We're gonna do the best we can to cover the sport of MMA. We're not here to talk just UFC. We're not here definitely just to talk Bellator. We're not here to talk just one. We want to talk it all. So when PFL comes back, we're gonna talk about oh, that. Talking shit. about PFL. We're talking about everybody. We're gonna try to make these the all these young talented fighters. Get a little bit of love from us and not just us and hopefully it grows into them getting more name recognition across the board that's 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 really what john and i are about so and i know that we work for bellator we will probably lean a little bit more to the homer side of it all and that's just natural for me anyways you guys know that that's how i am with my how did i get pulled over into your homer side man? whatever you can stay on the other side then, okay but i like to lean to the homer side but i want to let you guys know we are going to talk about all these as much as best as we can um, you know, given the travel and all that stuff that we do, um, we're going to try and do the best we can to talk about the sport of MMA. Isn't the PFL coming back April 23rd, I think? Yep. 23rd, 29th, May 6th, then they go into June. So they've got three shows pretty much back to back, which is nice. And I know that their main, their main event is Anthony Pettis making his PFL debut, but he's, he's fighting Clay Collard. Mm -hmm. I love Clay Collard, man. Clay Collard is good. You know, he is flashy, dynamic. That's a cool matchup. I think it's, I thought when they made it, I go, that makes sense. That's a good one. So are they going to turn into the fun fight league? Yeah. yeah in some ways. Yeah. yeah. They, they're going to put on the fun fights, like the fun gonna, fight whatever league. talent they can get to go there. They're going to, they're going to pull, they're going to try to put on the fun fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, uh, there was a meeting and there was some conversation. I think, uh, that Coker talked about, I think after in the press conference, like, you know, I think the fun fight, for bellator may come to a close 
I don't know how, you know, like obviously there's going to be some fights where they really, you know, that they have contractual obligations to them. But I think you're going to see more of with the ranking system when it came out. And there'll be another, the rankings will drop on Monday for the revised rankings. Is that they're going to really start trying to match their guys by, hey, this person's number three and this person's number one. Let's see who's Fighting people towards that shot at the champions. Yep. Now when you have that ranking system, it should be that way. See, even with Strike Force, we never had a ranking system. And I think that's kind of where they thought they, it was gonna like it was gonna be okay, but I I think now if you really want to be considered a legitimate promotion, you need to make sure that these your ranking systems are intact. You gotta so, have some structure. Yeah, there's got to be something where someone can say, "I know who I have to go through to get to the guy that I want." Yeah, that's just that's the sport of fighting, be it boxing, be it MMA, you know, kickboxing. There's always that that structure and that you know, ranking system. It's just part of the sport, so. Yeah, it's. I mean, the sport. The sports evolved, come a long way, and that that you have to have that kind of structure if you want to get to the next platform and level. I think so. True. <clears throat> all right. Well, let's jump into the Bellator. Bellator was on Friday night. Um, John, we talked to all of our fans, all of the people that listen to our show. We talked to everyone. We said, "Hey, there was a lot of fights on this card that fell off because of the COVID situation, and that those fights got bumped." to may 7th so if you guys may 7th and may 21st are gonna be awesome <laughs> so in that card there uh but the one fight that i was really wanting to watch was on that may 7th card got bumped or it fell off there too which kills me man i think uh brent premise and alexander shabley i think that that fight got bumped a little bit because i think one of them uh got, got sick hurt. got hurt or got sick yeah i think one of them got hurt is what i think it was yep. so hopefully they heal up pro- uh fast and uh, we can see that fight put together, back put together, because that's <clears throat> everyone's good talking about how good Chabli is. And I've trained with him, and he's phenomenal. He's good on the feet, very good at stuff and takedowns, and uh, he's no slouch on the ground. I would give this the the grappling to premise, yep, sure. Um, the size I would give the premise as well, obviously, but um, but Chabli on the feet, way better on the feet, and Chabli's faster. He's faster. He's way up. Well, I mean, Primus is just carrying all that damn weight. It's like swinging a telephone pole at you. Every time he throws a punch, like, <laughs> you know, but when they land, they hurt. If he kicks you, he lands, it hurts. Ask Michael Chandler. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, but let's talk. Let's jump right into it. So, I mean, honestly, the card, it, it, they had some good fights. They, you know, they, it was, I don't think it lived up to what we had hoped it would to, would wanted it to, but it didn't. Yeah. If we scroll down, though, the one that impressed me the most is then John. You can go ahead and say her la- her last name, but Diana, the Russian girl, of Saragova. Jeez, I told you she could fight. <laughs> yeah, but John, you said she could wrestle. This this girl started. Paragraph. She I mean, you, you normally yeah, you normally don't see. No. I mean knockouts Not in bad. the lighter weights, especially with you know female fighters, because you you see it as far as with kicks knees but you don't see it with punches so much yeah she put her out that's crazy yeah. you know I, what is it 115 pounds correct no she was at 125 oh, 125 okay okay i thought it was, I thought it was 115 i was like we don't have a 115 but i know we have carrie melendez also but she and carrie melendez fights at 115 and so i was like hey hey that hey. might be a little bit of a fight there but <laughs> but man she looked she looked good she um you said you know you had talked about it and you said her wrestling's really good she didn't get to display it a whole lot she didn't like she stuffed i think she stuffed one of the takedowns i got into a clinch for a second and that was about it i that's the one thing i don't like about i, I love being at the desk but i don't like to watch the fights 
like we're going through our next segment sometimes and I'm like missing the fight and I'm like shit man I'm missing all this shit so I have to watch a lot of times on the replay I was lucky that I turned right in time just to watch it go down in live action but uh but yeah um okay so to me that was I thought to me for her debut that was the most impressive performance you know that night go back down Dave, don't move it until I tell you, okay? You're <laughs> killing me right now. There was, you know, there was a couple of good performances in there, and I know Dung came back. He looked really. His stand-up looked so good. He was so fast, but there was a point where he he's taking a guy down, and you go, "Why are you taking him down? He's got more chance of doing something to you down there. You're killing him on the feet." And I was like, "That's just bad fight IQ." But he really has improved in some areas, so I want to hand it to him. He uh, he looked really good. All right, I'm going to critique him a little bit. I'm going to give him a little bit of a, but it's just tough love. Is There's no doubt he's good on the feet. There's no oh. there's no doubt he's got a lot better on the ground. He's got a great little arm and guillotine, like hook sweep that he likes to use. He's good at those type of things. He's got a, he's got the body for that style of jiu-jitsu, which is phenomenal. The thing that I want to get upset about a little bit is the last, like, 15 seconds. He goes hard. Where was all that energy earlier? Like, let's, don't, don't. I just yep. let's get it all out there. You should get to the point where you're so exhausted that like you guys are holding each other up at the end. That to me is just it, like you had way more in the tank and you just didn't know how to use it. Yeah. Or you fought a fight. They just you were trying to get, you were just basically focused on, let me just barely get through this. No, this is the, you're never going to get to that next level. Reserving Empty. those energies. You reserving that energy to just barely ink out wins. You're going to end up on the other side of horrible decisions. And I got to tell you, you're lucky because the judges fucking stunk it up at our fucking event. They were horrible. Okay. And this would have, this could have been one of those fights where you would have, you could have lost. Not to mention, it was already a close fight. I'm surprised the judges there got it right. You know, it was close. So I, but if it would have went the other way, I would have, I wouldn't have batted an eye and like, yeah, it was kind of close. Yeah. You know, I mean, just being honest, John, it's like when, you, when the fight's that close, you're like, yeah, well, you should have done more, especially when you finish the fight the last 10, 15 seconds, like that, going hard, swinging, and you had all the energy at the end. Which is good. It is good. But if you had that much energy, you should have used it, you know, sooner in there and blow it out, man, all the way to the end, because that could be the difference in you coming away with a win, which you did, which was awesome, or you don't do it it might be that you don't do enough in those judges eyes and you they don't give it to you yeah so don't 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 be in that position where you see people you know they're like doing push-ups afterwards it's like what are you doing if you if you could do push-ups why did you not go harder there yeah you know, in a close fight yeah i agree no i agree yeah like when aj mckee has the energy to do a backflip off the fence I'm like, that's different it's eight seconds of fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his fights only last about eight to eleven seconds. Uh, uh but uh Nino Dung. That's the only criticism. I mean, honestly, he's so young. What is he? 24? Exactly. 22. 22. 22. He's so young. Yes. Um, very talented, has a has a lot ahead of him. He just he's gotta he's gotta develop the fight IQ. He's gotta start thinking in terms of fighting smart, you know, and that's yeah. that's the biggest thing. At all times. Uh, what did you think? What other fight to you stood out? Uh, you know, I, I want to say Jalen Bates. God dang, he looks good. Yeah, that kid two and zero now, and I know everyone's like two and zero. Yeah, he's good. That kid, as long as he doesn't start reading his headlines and he just keeps his attitude where it's at. You know, he's cocky. That's okay. You can be cocky. Yeah. 
you just, as long as you're putting in the work so you can remain cocky. Don't sit there and think that, oh, I don't have to work as hard because now look how good I am. And I, he hasn't done that. He, his wrestling is good. His submissions are good. His stand-up is good. He is going to be something. That is a the 135-pound category in a lot of places. In the mm -hmm. UFC, yeah. it's fantastic. In Bellator, it's fantastic. In one, it's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, man, there's some 135-pound fighters out there. You're looking, you're going, damn. It is a stacked weight class. Well, they can't play any other sports, John. They're too small. Well, they could be. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. Good tennis player. Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, a jockey. Yeah, that's. I'm afraid they, of horses. They could be a jockey. They still have to lose 15 pounds though from there. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but he looked good. The other guy that I want to say, Jornel Lugo. I told you before the fight, that guy is smooth. Mm-hmm got it he definitely has for a young guy fight iq he's smart he makes the other guy caspell is a good fighter and he just yeah took him apart you know and made him fight his fight ate him up with just beautiful footwork you know brought him in set a trap you know Cass would try to get close to do something lugo would light him up with it man he looked so good yeah, and he just needs to keep on the same path because that, he's going to go places. And again, 135 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for me, a little bit it was Dalton Rossa. He fought a uh, former yeah. team of mine with uh, Tony Johnson. Tony had moments, but it just wasn't enough. Didn't throw enough. No, he didn't throw enough. You got to pull the trigger. And if you're always worried about the takedown, which he's got good takedown defense, you just got every time. Every time he got up, yes. Yep, yep, and and that's the thing is well, you've got to make someone like Dalton Ross, even though he's he's relatively young in the sport. Dalton Ross is, but he also carries a ton of muscle. When you have a guy that carries a ton of muscle like that, you need to push them to the point where they're struggling. They, they have to shoot shots, their takedowns from from distance. Every time Tony would throw something, he'd throw at the head, and Dalton would just slip it and then come in on the takedown. It was it didn't always get it, and when he did get it, Tony would pop back up. But start start using your fight IQ. Push kick up the middle. Give me something like that that makes him hesitant to want to shoot. You know, throw more knees. There was moments there where he had done the pummeling on the inside against the fence to elevate Rasta back up. Didn't throw any knees. Make him pay. The 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 one of the biggest things that throughout my career was anytime I stuff someone's takedown is to make them pay. And the first thing you make them pay with is the knee to the body. Every time as you're as you're digging the underhooks and you're lifting them. Knee to the body. Boom. You know they can't snatch the leg because you have underhooks. You have their hand. You have their arms. Well, yeah, you Hard have their reach around it. And so you just you throw the knee. It doesn't have to be hard. And that's the misconception, I think, as well. Like, you don't just need to touch. Help. You just got to touch them. If you touch them at the moment they're spread out like that and they're... Or the moment off, they're breathing. Or the moment they're breathing, yeah, then you, you can take their win. That can start the change of the fight in terms of now that guy's win and that guy's cardio or that female's cardio is... Is suffering because every time you touch him after you hit him to the body and they knock the, you knock the wind out of him. Every time you touch that area, it's easier to knock the wind out of him. And you've got to you've got to think in those terms. I'm building a 
I'm building like a Lego set, one piece at a time. I'm just going to touch your calf. I'm going to touch your calf kick, calf kick. Okay, now I'm going to touch you in the liver. Touch, touch, touch. And eventually by the end of the second, it's adding up. You get to that third round, just let it go now. Now I can rip the, that area or kick that calf hard. You're building, you're building like building blocks, just slowly building your house. Building and a wall. I, I didn't see that from Tony at all. Just that was a little bit of lack of, of fight IQ. I liked what his corner was saying, Bob Cook. Pressure, pressure, more output, more output. He just right. won't pull on the trigger. Yep. You know? And so But you got to give it to Dalton Rasta a couple things. He is showing that he's well rounded. His stand up yeah. is good because to, to stand with Tony, Tony's got good boxing. Like if Tony was you know, Tony had not lost. I want to say it was since 2011 in MMA because Tony had left and became a professional boxer. And I think he was eight and one as a professional boxer. Yeah. So he's got good stand up. Dalton Rasta stood with him almost the entire fight. Yeah. So he looked good there and Dalton Rasta's conditioning. It was good. It was good. He got a little tired at the end of there the end of that, that last minute and a half, two minutes. Of course. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, they were both throwing some heat at each other. But when you're, I wanted just to, I wanted to criticize my my former teammate because to show I'm not being a total homer, is that he just needs to, like I said, the fight IQ. You need to elevate it. When you're fighting someone who is shorter, you're fighting someone who is obviously a better wrestler, somebody who is that's that stocky. Start aiming below their chin for their shots. Don't aim for their head. Aim for that chest area because they're gonna dip. You know, a lot of the times, too, Dalton Rossa was throwing the punches and dipping to the same side every single time. True. You got to figure that out. Let him throw and then slip and throw the head kick on that side. You've got you've to be able to read what your opponent's doing, see what their tendencies are. That's the only reason why, like, and I'd go back and watch fights. If I watched my opponent's fights, I would see how they dipped. That was really the only time I ever really, like, watched. That's the only thing I would look for when I was watching their fights. Do they have tendencies to dip one way? Do they have tendencies to, like, what do they throw before they shoot? Do they always throw a left hook and then shoot? Do they throw the right hand and shoot off that? What do they mainly throw first before they shoot? Those were the two things that I really looked for when I was watching tape. Outside of that, I didn't really care about what the tape was. I was more about, like, what do I do best? But those are things that Tony should have seen, like, in the cage as well. I mean, it was so obvious. It was right there. Every time Dalton threw the the jab, he would lean to the same side. You know, every time he threw a left hook, he'd lean to the same side. Well, figure that out. Throw the head kick on that side. Rip the body on that side with the body kick. You know, there's plenty. Dalton Ross holds his elbows out a little bit too. Push kick to the body. I mean, like knees to the body. You've got to, you've got to be able to see those things and make adjustments as you fight. And I didn't see that again um, with Tony. Um, all right, let's get right into this horrible decision. <laughs> There was, uh, there was a couple. Deborah <laughs> with the win over uh, Gyochiyamuchi. The problem that I have with this, John, is you have a guy who's ranked number three. He's got the second most submissions in, I think, all of the sport. You know what I mean? And you have a guy like Demaret. Don't get me wrong. Tough. I thought he fought a gritty fight. Tough fight. He did. But he's, his back was taken majority of the time. He was in a lot of compromise, compromising positions of being submitted. Nothing was really super close. You know, but he he was losing the the exchanges and the position, the dominant positioning, and he had no. And when he did lose it, he lost it in positions where he couldn't mount any offense. It's one thing to be on bottom in in, in someone's guard, and you're out elbowing them while they put their head on your chest, but when they're on your back for two and a half minutes and they're trying to threaten chokes and kimuras and that's and those are finishing positions, and the ref then gives turns around gives the the round to the other person. It's just judge. That'd be a judge. Rest don't do that. 
Yes. <laughs> CTE. Um, <laughs> so it's it, that to me was really upsetting to see. Well, the, the, you can look at the first round, and, and I, I will give it to the judges in this. The first round, Dan hit Goichi with a shot that actually made Goichi stumble back, and it hurt him. You could see it. But it was one shot, and then you look at you know, all the things that occurred with the grappling aspect, and this is where you have to look and say, there is a criteria, and you as the judge, we have judges that are starting to decide, well, I just like striking, and I'm not going to give anything to the grappling aspect, really, unless he gets a submission or unless he almost, you know, gets the arm bar or the choke. And it's like, no, this is not about the way you look at a fight. This is the way the criteria looks at it, and you follow that criteria. Because Goichi had way too much as far as, positioning he doesn't get a whole lot for it but when he's trying when he's going for the kimura grip off of it he's got a kimura and he's bending that arm that's a submission attempt mm -hmm. and to sit there and say oh it wasn't close really mm -hmm. let me put you there and let me have you feel exactly what dan is feeling because it it's got pressure on your arm and it actually hurts a little bit and he kept getting his arm back but there's pressure there and that's a, that's a submission attempt it's the same as someone landing punches you are doing good work. You're trying to finish the fight. That's what I expect of you. If you don't finish it, okay. But I've got to give you credit for those moments. And Dan had his moments where, you know, he was doing good things. And Goichi had his moments. But if you're looking at the criteria and saying, well, this fight, for the most part, you're looking at where it took place. It took place both standing and on the ground. When it was in the ground positions, it was one guy that was actually threatening the other. Dan didn't get a whole lot for threats in it. Dan did more of his work, I guess if you want to say, in the stand-up. But he also took a lot of shots in the stand-up, too. Yeah. And so I look at it. There was one in the very first fight of the night. Uh, you know, And I like John Duma. He's a tough kid. Uh, but he fought Will Smith. And Will Smith, you, you look at the end of that fight. Yeah. Look at John Duma's face. And you know, this is not saying anything bad about John. He was tough as hell. Junkyard dog, man. I love you. But one guy looked like he got in a fight, got beat up, and one guy didn't have a mark on him. And the guy that didn't have a mark on him lost the fight. Yeah, we had talked about Duma before. We thought Duma was going to win that fight. I did. I thought, you know, and but when as, as Will Smith was piecing him up, I'm like, Duma has no answer on how to get past that reach and that speed to get in on the takedown he had well no he did on he did in the first round he, yeah. he won the first round because yeah. he got in on the takedown and he threatened him on the ground but then he couldn't get him down really no and he got that the jab was eating him up you can see you know i called him and i said i think i called him two-face you know he looks like two-face because it, you know you could see that line because he kept eating that jab on one side and one side you know his face looks fairly normal and the other one's all red and pink and it's starting to swell and then you go and he, he keeps eating that. But I, I just look and you, the, the problem with this is there's no repercussions. If someone is out, you know, and you can say it's two of them uh, that, that are out on that call, you're looking, you're going, what are you looking at? Yeah. You know, I just don't understand it because that was a pretty clear one. Eric Cologne was the one judge that gave it to Will Smith in that. And he goes, I thought it was pretty clear. I said, so did I. Yeah. And so I feel uh, bad for a guy that fought really hard, trained hard, and then doesn't get what he probably deserved. 
Yeah, because uh, like we talked about with the Eddie Alvarez thing, is like you get one loss, now your confidence isn't what it was, and it could change your career. And I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying that it could. And because then if you get a second loss, I mean, when you get to like, when you're in the when you're in Bellator, they don't have 600 fighters like the UFC on the roster. So two losses, you potentially could get cut. So now <laughs> you just you've made half that possible when it shouldn't have happened. It should have been the other way around. You know, the right person needs to win. You need to spend your time learning this sport. And I really, I, I think I've, we've touched on this, that not all fighters make good judges and good refs. I understand that. No, not even close. But it also, but I also think at some point you need to make sure that you have trained a little bit of something if you're going to be a judge. Thank you. You know, you have to have some sort, I'm not saying you need to be a black belt, but you need to nope. understand. But you least, have to train. You have to understand to a blue belt level, okay, this is how you get an arm bar. This is how hard it is to get an arm bar. You have, this is how you get to the back. This is how hard it is to get to the back. You know, like, you don't just get on the back and, okay, like, lift your chin. Let me put the arm around your neck. It doesn't happen that way. And so no. judges to sit back and go, yeah, he was on the back. Nothing ever really got close. You know how hard it was for that guy to even get to the back and get the hooks uh, in and control? And not, only, not only get to the back, it's like just what you're talking about. Get to the back, and now you're working for that choke. And this guy is, you know, he's taking, he's pummeling, he's pulling, he's getting, you know, a baseball grip on your arms. Then you're finally getting your arm free. And eventually, as you're trying to get the choke, your arms are starting to, to just oh, swell up and they're getting tired. And it's like, that's all part of the fighting. And so there's so many aspects of it. If you don't do it, you don't know. Yeah. You got to know. I mean, it's, there's that. And I also think there's, I don't think it, like if you have a judge, you don't need to spar, you don't need to do any of that, but you still need to learn that what the combinations are like a little bit of movement, a little bit of footwork, a little bit of mitt work. You know, you've got to learn how hard it is to keep those arms up and just, and, and deal with a little bit of that. Learn some technique behind it. I've always said, you got, you know what, you got to know what it's like to get punched in the middle I, of the face. I would say that, but some of these judges are like 70. So <laughs> as long as they got punched in the middle of the face when they were, you know, younger, it's okay. But I mean, Probably. you really, you have to have that knowledge of, I know what it's like to be where he's at right now, where he's, he's, you, yeah. he's got that, that zing going down his spine. You can see the stiffness in his legs. That's information. You know, I, I watch fights and I see, you know, I go, he's hurt. And it takes, you know, even other people time. It's like, you need to be able to pick that up right away because it's those moments that are the difference in the fight. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's a sad situation, I think, because, you know, Will Smith should have won that fight. You know, yep. uh, Gyochi Yamauchi should have won that fight. And with Gyochi Yamauchi, he has a lot to lose. I mean, he was basically almost next in line for a title shot. He was ranked number three. Now he's going to get bumped. I don't think he would have been next. He would have had to fight one more because that wasn't a great performance, to be honest. No. You know, he should have done a little bit more. I mean, but he still, I thought he I thought he won the fight. And I thought it was pretty clear. Um, let's talk about Katzenganu. Okay. She had a good performance. I know Olivia Parker, um, you know, she has one loss. She has two now. But yeah. should have been the caliber of fighter that Kat should fight. I think Kat needs to have another fight in between there, between that and fighting Cyborg next. I don't know if that's going to happen. But I think they've got to give her another opponent. I would. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely. If I was Kat, I would almost say, demand it. Yeah. I need another one. And it's not, she, she, had, she did exactly what she was supposed to. Nice takedown. Gets, you know position she got turned which you look and you go okay made a little bit of a mistake but then right away went she didn't stay in her back in a closed guard opened her guard went to the arm bar gets a belly down arm bar great job that's what you're supposed to do mm -hmm. but i think she just needs just yeah. again 
with Cat, it's all about confidence. She's got tools. Well, I think it's that and the and the activity. She needs to be more active. And that was yeah. the other thing. Like, you know, she hadn't fought in seven months, you know, since her last fight. And then on top of that, was it seven months? I think it was seven months. Uh, I think it was. That long? Okay. Yeah, it's been that long. I think it was October. Wow. Yeah, yeah, October. Yeah, so October, seven months. It's been seven months. On top of that, before that, she hadn't fought forever. You know, it'd been what two years? Oh yeah, longer two years. So it's like, if I think we got you got to get her into it. I don't want to just. I don't want her to fight Cyborg right now, knowing that she her two fights were Gabby Holloway and Olivia Parker right before you go. She's got to fight someone like a Julia Bud. She's Julia got, Bud, a Blenko, someone that's going to come yeah. after her and yeah. really make her work. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I honestly would have rather have seen her fight Leslie Smith and the winner of that fight, the title. For the title that would have been fine because that would have made cat grit through some stuff leslie smith's not a bad uh wrestler slash grappler she's she's pretty good as well she so definitely puts fight, pressure on you that fight would have been pressure that fight would have put a uh would have seen would have, we would have seen the best out of cat we would have seen the best out of um leslie smith yeah i mean overall like i said the fights to my for my for me weren't weren't phenomenal there was a lot of fights that didn't live up to the potential but we lost a lot of the a lot of the good fights a lot of good not a lot of the good a lot of good fights to a later date because of covid or because of injury but uh the ryan bader leota machita fight did it go the way you thought it would go yes but it did it it absolutely the first round i was the round that i said you know, this is where Machida's got to get it done, in my opinion. He's got to put a lot of damage on him, and he did. He really did. Knocked him out. <laughs> What's that? He almost knocked him out with that head kick. Dude, the body <laughs> kicks and yeah. that head kick up high, it almost looked like the Nemkov. It was just on the other side, and I'm, I'm like, he's going after it. That's what he had, needs to do. And, you know, it was that. There, the one thing that I saw was Ryan was making some of the same mistakes that he did in their first match and when he has a hard time getting into someone at range and he he will start to lunge and you know people are going to read that they're going to they're going to put that blueprint out of this is what you need to do with ryan because they know that he's got that blast double and he's explosive when he when he finally goes to it but he opened himself up to get to that blast double on leota and it worked for him and he changed the fight around, and from that point on, it was a completely different fight. But Lyoto in the first round, he was putting it on him. Well, I I was able to listen, like you were saying, a little bit to their, his corner, and his corner told him, just settle down. Yeah. Like, settle down. And that's kind of, I think, what was the, the beginning of the end in the first fight, was he got overzealous, just started chasing after him. Like, just he felt like he Frustrated. had to happen. Yeah, and then he also, he, this I think what also helped him settle down was that there was no crowd. In the first fight, people were booing, boo, boo, and then you know you're coming from you wrestling. You want to make something happen. You want to make something. You're young. You're you're fresh into the UFC. Like you want to make something happen. You push yourself to do it, and that with someone like Leoto is a very dangerous situation to be in, you know. So I think the lack of a crowd in this situation helped him, yeah. you know, because once his corner told him like, "Hey, settle down," and then he goes back out there in the second round, he he settled down in the beginning of the second, but then he finally was able to take down. He didn't get the takedown until like almost two and a half minutes in. Oh yeah, yeah. So it took him some time, and he was able to do some work, you know, after that. And then, and then the takedowns just became easier after you get the first one, and you're able to put your body weight on him. And Leoto's not a big guy. That's the other no. thing. He's not as big as uh, Ryan Bader. He should be an 85 pounder, um, you know. And off of his back, I know he's been in the sport a long time. I've grappled with him and trained with him. He's a phenomenal person. He's an amazing striker. Um, but off the back, he's really he's just good at getting back up. 
There's that's more of a, he's a if you're talking talk about his jujitsu skills, he's a top what we call a top guy. Yep. He does good things when he's in the top position. He's not a dynamic submission guy off of his back. Mm-mm. But uh, you yep. know the the one thing that you could really tell though is after the second round and what Ryan was able to do as far as his ground and pound because you know all that work it adds up. And the one thing you saw when Lyoto came out, even in the third round, all of a sudden there wasn't the bounce. No. He was flat-footed. He was still trying to move, but he's more flat-footed. And that's telling you, oop, that's the change. That's, that's the change that Ryan needed. <clears throat> and he made that happen with that one takedown. And then he was able, as you said, all the takedowns came easy after that. Yeah, that comes to me. I feel like that just comes he's 42 years old. That's part of it. You know. Part of it is the age. Uh Part of it, you know, you, you can say he's in shape, yeah. but the the gas tank had a lot of holes punched in it by the pressure and the, some of the shots that Ryan was landing on top of him. Yeah, what I mean by age is I mean that when you uh, look, being old is it doesn't just happen overnight. Like it, it's a it slowly ha- you know it slowly goes. It's a day by day process. Is that what you're saying? Process. <laughs> what I'm saying. It doesn't just happen overnight. Herschel Walker used to tell me that. He's like, you don't just get old. Like, you don't come the next day and be like, oh, shit, I'm old. I can't do this anymore. It doesn't happen like that. He's like, it just slowly starts to wither at you. But um, <clears throat> but with him, it's the recovery. Like, he, he got back up, and it, that's what that's really what it comes down to. How fast can you recover between rounds, between the damage? Yeah. And Leoto wasn't able to really recover. And then, like you right. said, he came flat-footed, and then it just made it easier for Ryan, uh, for Bader to get the takedowns. But overall, I mean, like I said, I wasn't overly as much as I, as much as I am a homer for the Bellator guys and the fan and, and the girls and the, the female fighters on our on our roster. It wasn't a great night of fights. No, I didn't steal the show. Uh, but you know what, though, like I said, next week we can make it all up again. And so mm-hmm. there was there was good performances from some. You know, I, I, we can't leave without talking about Adam Morris and Jeremy Kennedy. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, we can't leave without talking about that fight. So I skipped over it. Sorry, we got right into the uh, Kazangano, and then I jumped up to the Ryan Bader. My apologies. We also didn't talk about Liz. Um, but uh, but overall, I mean, Jeremy Kennedy and Adam Borch. I thought Adam Borch actually fought a smart fight. I'm not sure that Jeremy fought the smartest fight for him. You know, and uh, Jeremy's a guy that normally comes in, takes guys down, and uses his top game to, you know, put a lot of... Uh, shots on him and slow him down and i think he looked like at adam and felt that he could match up in the stand-up well he made a mistake with that because he ate a jab that kept popping his head back it controlled the fight that the jab that adam borsch landed continuously throughout the fight was the difference maker in that fight and then when he started going to combinations jeremy just had no answer for him in the end and he just got you know just volume over time just got to the point where he couldn't catch up yeah well i think the game plan it seemed like the game plan was was to strike and especially in the first two rounds was to strike a little bit get him thinking about striking in the last minute get the takedown and which is what he did in the first round he got the takedown the last Mm -hmm. minute there wasn't a whole lot of action in that first round the second round he tried doing the same thing and he caught, he didn't really get the takedown at the end of the second. Adam was able to stop it and uh, and land some clean shots and stuff like that. I was I I thought it could have been a better fight, but for both for both fighters, um, 
they they didn't uh they, they had mutual respect for each other it was a cancellation they canceled yeah. each other out in a lot of areas yeah. you gotta figure one was 16 and one one 16 and two yeah they do a lot of the same things they just do it a little bit different you know i think borch in the end has he's a little bit faster he's a little bit cleaner in his stand-up i think uh jeremy's wrestling and his ground game especially his top game might be better but he wasn't able to get the fight where he needed to 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 employ that. So big difference in the fight. They're both very big for the weight. This oh. is five, and I'm thinking to myself, I walked past Jeremy Kennedy. I was like, he didn't look big when I watched him fight in the PFL. I walked past him in the lobby. I'm like, God, like I would have to fight at 135 these days. <laughs> like, it was embarrassing. I was like, I know I'm older and my body's shriveling up like an old man, but Jesus, man, I walked past those two guys. Adam Borch is 5'11". Jeremy Kennedy's 5'11". I mean, you, I actually think Adam Borch is probably six foot. I mean, he's tall. He's long. Yeah. His body style is tall, long, and lanky. But Jeremy Kennedy's a, a tall guy, too. He's taller than me. I'm 5'10". He's 5'11". I don't know how he makes that damn weight. He's obviously shredded as well, but. Both those guys, I, I see a bright future for both of them. I think uh, Jeremy Kennedy is definitely a great add to the promotion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it was, I was expecting fireworks. We got more of a, a fight IQ. It was a battle of wit. We got a chess match. Yeah, we got a chess match. And that's what's going to happen when you get to, to, to they realize what's at stake. You know, yeah. they're you know, one or two away from getting a title shot. So it's nice. Uh, Liz, to me, was finally bigger than somebody that she fought, but didn't act like it. You know, and uh, well, she did, but she didn't fight the what you wanted to see. No, I wanted to see domination. I wanted yeah. to see the Liz that showed up in the third round against Deanna Bennett. That's the that's the Liz I wanted to see. I didn't get that Liz, and so um, realistically, if we if we were talking about her being next in line for a tile shot, you know, um, against Juliana Velasquez, I would put it on hold. I would say, nah. I'd say, you know what? The fight that I want to see is I want to see you and Olima Lay McFarland. Let's see that fight. You want to put ex-teammates together. Yeah, well, they're going to have to fight eventually. Like, let's just get it out of the way. Let's make, let's let's get it out of the way. And maybe, maybe like, once we get out of the way, they can start training together again. Because they stopped training together, you know, um, two two fights ago, I think. And so it would be nice. Uh, and let's, let's have them fight. Get it done. Get it out of the way. I mean, realistically, like, you need to have, Liz needs to have a win over, over a dominant win over somebody in that top, in that top ranking system. And that Ali Malay is the only one ranked ahead of her. You know, and so if you're going to have that fight, let's have that fight. Let's do it. And then the win, I mean, that may, it justifies then giving her a title shot against Juliana Velasquez if she beats Alimale. I don't, I, everything I, I have heard is that Liz was kind of like the bigger sister to her. I don't know how the training sessions went, but the vibe and the feeling I get is that Liz was probably the one that got a little bit of the better of Alimale. Yeah. But. Time changes everything. Yeah, I know. But what I've seen so far, and I know from Liz, I know Liz can perform a lot better, but her last two performances in her debut in this one, it does I mean, they weren't they weren't great. They weren't they weren't great. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna give someone a title shot next, and I know Ali Malay just lost it, I wanna see you beat the former champion to get to that title shot to show you deserve it. Or I wanna see if if Ali Malay beats Liz, because it's a fight, anything can happen. You know, and she gets a, she gets an automatic rematch. She is the longest standing, uh, one twenty five pound champ in, in Bellator. Limale is so why not? She was the first one twenty five pound. Sorry, sorry, I should have said first. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So she was the longest, but she defended it several times. Great yes, performances. Yes, great performances. You know, under a lot of pressure. Under a lot of pressure. 
You know, in in Hawaii, she performed there twice and had great performances both times. You know, she's. Uh, I want to. I want to see that. And it, why not give her an automatic an, another rem- a title shot if she beats Liz and Liz being showing that she earned it by being Alimala if she's able to do that. So that would make to me it would make sense. Yeah, get it done out of the way. I agree. That's a good um. Idea. All right. What else you got for us? Let's talk. Let's talk UFC. Let's talk UFC. Do you no. want to go to our? Uh, you want to? You want to go to our my uh, my bookie? Let's do our my bookie right now. Miss McCarthy, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, well, we we do have a boxing match between MMA veteran Ben Askren and YouTuber Jake the Poodle Haircut Paul. Yes, I'm going with the Poodle Haircut. Got to do it. Yeah, and uh, you can place a single wager with my bookie of $20 on the fight and you'll get a free $20 bet for UFC 261. That's pretty good. You get a free bet. And if that's not enticing enough, you go back to former Olympian corner and you'll get a two to one payout with the, my bookie odds uh, boost on Ben Askren to win the fight outright. Two to Which one. I'm kind of going with. I think Ben might win that thing out, right? Took a little convincing from Josh Thompson to get That's you That's true, it did. But then I, w- I watched that press conference. I'm telling you, it made a whole big difference to me. But if you sign up this week with my bookie with the promo code weighing in, all right, to take advantage of an up to $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. So that's promo code weighing in. Use that as your promo code to grab yourself a free cash bonus on top of all the other free bets and boosted odds. Up to a thousand dollars. Hey man, two thousand dollars. Love free money. I love free money. I love it. <laughs> it's all free money. It's so all- go to my bookie. Use that wing in promo code and good luck to you. And definitely do not bet on anyone that looks like they have a poodle sitting on top of their head. I honestly, uh, I think he's gonna. I think Ben's gonna do it. So do I. I think he's gonna do it. If he, if Ben I, loses, I, if Ben loses, gonna... it, it'll be, a, it'll be, it won't be a knockout. It'll be a decision by no. It'll be a close round. It'll be close. First, first, second round. You think he? That's where him? that's where Ben can lose. Oh, you think so? Yeah, he could lose in the first or second. Yeah, because Paul's gonna have energy there. Got he's it. not gonna burn out so much. He's gonna, he's gonna have a, a lot of nerves. Yeah, and a lot of nervous tension. And it's going to affect his cardio depending upon, I think he's going to go after Ben. I think he's going to open up in a lot of ways and throw a lot of shots at him. And that's could be good for Ben too, because if he does that, he's going to get tired. Yeah. And then if someone's in his face, that's going to make him more tired. And when you're tired, as we say, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. Yeah. Yep. So, We're going to see if the poodle boy has some balls. There you go. <laughs> it's gonna be great or if he's gonna get neutered <laughs> come but on gotta, man. that is what you that's a pay-per-view on april 17th the same time i think as the ufc is going on so now it's one of those oh crap i gotta put one on one screen and one on another oh man <laughs> trouble I'll trouble just, i'll just stream both of them <laughs> i didn't say i wasn't gonna stream them yeah <laughs> Oh, this is great. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the UFC. Um, what did you think of the card? 
I okay. Just full disclaimer. Uh, I was in the. I was on the plane. I didn't get to watch the prelims. I watched the Dan Miller fight or Jim Miller fight. Sorry. Um, as soon as I got home, so I didn't get to watch the fights before that because I was still on the plane. Um, no getting back so just wanted to make sure that i let you guys all know that so big john will talk well, well then you didn't get to see some of the uh earlier fights so let me go over a couple of the yeah. earlier fights that i thought were really good performances uh there was um da un jung from korea and we had seen i think in his last fight he had fought sam alvey and it was a draw hmm. uh, but he fought william knight who came out of the contender series super just put together strong but small framed for light heavyweight but super strong i'll tell you what unjung put on a performance of this is how you take people down this is how you control them and william knight tough as hell tough as hell but didn't do the right things to get himself out of positions took a lot of shots but he made it all the way to the end but uh jung looked really good as far as putting on a nice performance i think that guy hasn't lost I think he lost. I think he won his very first pro fight. Then he lost a couple. He hasn't lost since. He had the draw with Alvy, but he hasn't lost since. This, wow. this guy's good, you know. So he's gonna be a he's gonna be something to deal with. I thought he looked really good. Uh, the I want to say it was uh, Louis Saldana versus Griffin. Mm -hmm. I like Griffin. I know he lost the fight, and uh, it was close. Could have gone either way. Griffin was very upset that he lost it. Not going to say anything about the judges. Could, could have gone either way. It was it was a good fight. I love the way Griffin goes after people. This guy is in your face. He makes you fight. He throw, He's throwing stuff. So they definitely need to keep him. Jack Shore looked really good against Hunter Azure. Um, that was a nice win from him. Uh, Mike Belter gives me a thing. He says, hey, I've got this fight. Do you know this guy? Jarjus. Uh, Dan Ho and I said, yeah. I said, yeah, he hasn't fought in a long time. I said, he's a big heavyweight. I said, he's fighting uh, Jorgen DeCastro. I said, just stand by for the knockout. Someone's going to sleep. I said, Jorgen hits real hard and Jarjus hits real hard. I said, someone's going to sleep. I'm just telling you. They're going to, whoever lands first with a good shot, it's over. And let's just say that Jarjus is the guy because <laughs> he definitely, he landed it right to the side of, uh, Castro's head and I mean he was out going down he landed another shot you know going down on top of him but he didn't need it uh just a beautiful knockout win and coming off of I want to say he hadn't fought in like four years mm. so that's a big win for him it was uh, I'm sure he had a lot was it five years almost, almost five. five damn that's a hard one to come back on man yeah so that was a uh, beautiful knockout I thought John uh, McDessie, he looked really good, put a lot of pressure on a tall, uh, rangy guy, uh, took a lot of shots, landed some good shots. You know, the, the guys that give McDessie problems are wrestlers, guys that take him down, not guys that are on their feet. So McDessie got, got the win there. That was a good one. Scott Holtzman lost his fight. That kid, uh, Gamro from Poland, he's good. He's got really good wrestling. He, but his stand-up, man, he... He was accurate. He was landing some really good shots on Holzman, and it was his wrestling that set it up because he, he was, dude, he was ankle picking him off of it, going so low on singles. It was like, damn. And and Scotty Holzman can he can wrestle. That's what he came from. Man. He came from a wrestling background. So I have to go back. That was back a, that fight. You got me excited now about that fight. That, he looked good. You got to watch him. Um, 
my man Jim Miller. He lost his second one in a row the same way. He lost to a guy that, you know, I used to uh, help with, with Vince Bichelle in his last fight, and then Joe Salicki. I hate, this, this is what I hate. You know, this is, you know, Jim, 37, 37 fights in the UFC. Yeah. He's made that walk 37 times. And God damn it, Jim, hats off to you, dude. You're a stud. Uh, but they're using him now to, like, you know, bump the next guy up, I think. I hate seeing that. Really yeah. Do. The, the, what I saw was exactly what we talked about with the Lyoto thing is that there's the recovery is not there. They, they, even, even Selecki's, uh, corner yeah. said he's going to come out hard and strong in the first after that, we're going to take over. And that's exactly what happened because yeah. just the recovery is not there at the age of 37, 38, 39 for smaller, lighter guys. You feel like you've got it, but that those other guys, the younger ones that are coming up, they're still fast and explosive, and and, and the speed kills, and the ability to get in, get the takedown, control the position, it's yep. there. You know they're wiry, strong, and those those fucking young bucks, man, I want to smash. Them. Yeah, because you you look at you know Jim in in his last two fights, he he won the first round against Pichel, he won the first round against Selecki. He just they're t- they're getting into him, getting him down, and he can't get away from him, yeah. and they're just you know putting some damage on him and so the fight stays where it's at so but yeah i, I love jim miller i'd probably be time to say that's about enough yeah. i want to see him get damaged but what a fighter uh daniel rodriguez god damn he looked good against mike perry daniel rodriguez is from california um known as a tough dude but he's been training with you know uh stitch him up joe Schilling. Donald Cerrone, he's been at the BMF ranch doing a lot of his training. He looked good because there's been some times that he's taken some fights. He hasn't had the training camps and got a little winded and stuff. Man, he was sharp against Mike Perry. And I'm, I'm going to say this about Mike Perry. P- people can like him or not. Dude, he is junkyard dog tough. He took an ass whipping. Yeah. His nose again is sitting on the side of his face. Uh, he took a lot of shots. You saw the, the lumps and stuff. You know, and he keeps coming. He just doesn't have the technical. I don't know who's teaching him, and you know, this is part of you know who's in his corner and stuff. I know he's with people now, but he's got heart. He's got the heart, man. He's tough. He's got power. He is strong as six kinds of hell, man. Because he had a couple. He had a takedown in there. It was all strength. It wasn't technique. It was grab him, squeeze him, pick him up, and drop him down. You know, so he's got. He's got certain elements. You look, it's just, he doesn't have the technical side. His footwork is bad and it leaves him out of position and he takes a lot of shots because of it and stuff. But I will say that Daniel Rodriguez looked as good as you could look, you know, all those shots, you take a look at Mike Perry's face there, that, that, uh, straight left hand because Rodriguez is a uh, Southpaw, but the, the, the jab was working the straight left down the middle. He looked really good. Yeah, it, the frustration I think is for me with Mike Perry is he he need, he I think he could be I don't think he'll ever be champion, but I think no. he, I think he has a chance of of having a mark here in, in 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 fighting. He just needs to get with a coach and spend time doing it because his he's got hard kicks, he's got solid hands, like you know, but he's got I, power. Yeah, he's got power. What I saw, though, is as he got tired, he was just throwing one, one. Well, then it becomes easier to time, and you start getting pieced up, and then that's he becomes a punching bag, you know? Um, 
but he's he's like even though you said like oh he's got the big lift and it was like you know just power i looked at it as like he got to the body lock and he squeezed the hips into his hips yeah, and lifted it down to me that there's technique there i mean well, I, there was technique but it was more strength than anything yeah. if you're looking at it yeah but, I mean, but he was able to suck in those hips and he pulled yeah. them close to him and he got a nice lift and then he got another takedown i think later on as well he got in deep on the body lock again and kind of like knee tapped him and drug him down so he's got he's got the right idea he just needs coaching and yeah. like mike perry if you're listening or anybody that knows him that's listening man like He's got a kid now, you know, I don't know if he's married, but he's got a kid now. You've got a chance to make some money in this, like, you know, a decent amount of money, you know, because I don't know what you plan on doing after fighting, you know, so you might as well stack some stack some bread right now while you can. You've got to get with a coach, though, and just listen to them. Don't be hot headed. Someone you believe in. You, because I got to tell you, he reminds me of somebody. Who does he remind you of, John? You know what I mean? Yeah. And he reminds me of that person. And that person is, you know, as like they have ability, they have potential, but you've got to make sure that you're with a coach that you can listen to and, and, and let them let them groom you and just do what let they them guide you. Let them guide you in how you can better your career. You know, and maybe take some maybe take six months to eight months off. I mean, that Absolutely. might be hard because you have a baby now. Like that might be hard, but the reality is, is like, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get easier for you. You know, you don't want to be anyone's punching bag. So I just want, the, I, I like the best for him. He seems like, he seems like he's mellowed out. Like I said, we were talking about this before the lead up to this fight. I didn't hear any drama about him. I didn't hear anything negative about him coming into this fight, which is good to hear, but it's good to see, it's good to see and good to hear. But it was like that. You don't want to be known just for that. That's yeah. the thing. You don't want to be known just for the drama you brought to the. You sport. want to be known for what you do inside the cage, not outside. Yeah, and then Daniel Rodriguez, he looked good. His hands looked fast. Ooh, he looked His really good. Looked fast, and he was just, you know, he was accurate. Win, yeah, he was very accurate. He, he was landing some good stuff, and I thought he fought a good fight, very good yeah. fight. The person who I thought that stole the show though was Mackenzie Dern. Oh yeah, hands down, I think she stole the show. She looked good. Yep. You know, they, just before the fight started, they put her up, and she's the underdog in the fight, man. And I go, how in the world? I, yeah, I know that I know that Nina is ranked fifth and she's ranked eleventh, but it's like, come on, man, just go and watch the fights that they've had. You know, their last fights and Nina's was a while ago, but there's no way yeah. that you could say that. Yeah, you know, that you're gonna talk about a bet that I was. I would tell you, take that all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, she's too good in a specific area for that fight, and it's not that Nina is bad on the ground. It's just that Mackenzie is that much better. And again, until you know what it's like to be on the ground with someone that is just different than everybody else. And Mackenzie, when it comes to her ground game, it's different. She's just that much better. And when, when you get underneath that person and they're putting pressure down and they're attacking you in different ways and you think you can defend, not the same defending against them as it was against everybody that you've been training with and that's what Mackenzie Dern brings and now that her stand-up with Jason Perillo she's throwing her hands and she's going after people and she did that with Nina and she tagged her a couple of times not afraid to get hit either which is making a lot more dangerous exactly um I'm gonna give you guys a little story time right now is that like what John story time with Josh story time with Josh Thompson is that when he said, you don't know what it's like to grapple with a top-level jiu-jitsu person. 
is when I trained with BJ Penn back in you know 99, 2000, 2001, those to those that that era. People look at him now and they think like, oh, his jujitsu, this and that, or he's just not the. Yeah, he's older, but back then. His jiu-jitsu was fucking phenomenal. But I used to train at night with Frank Shamrock. BJ used to train during the day with, uh, you know, with the fight team. I was I had to work. I was was a part-time fighter. Anyways, but I was I was probably the best guy that would train with Frank that he had. He had Charles Taylor, Bo, uh, Ryan Bo, Ryan Bo, Velasquez, Bob Cook. Bob Cook was like he had already moved on to being kind of like my manager and stuff. But Bob was nasty good as well. But I would roll with Bob. But Bob was pretty much the only one I could roll with. The rest of them weren't, you know, all of them weren't at my level. So I would, you know, obviously run, spout off at the mouth, like da-da-da-da-da. The guys, you know, they would all talk about how good BJ was. And I hadn't really met BJ. I had met him in passing, but I had never trained with him. And so they would tell me how, you know, BJ would take Frank down and hold Frank down and, you know, get to his back. You know, BJ had a sometimes hard time to finish him. Frank was really hard to finish when it came to, like, you know, the chokes and stuff. And so, you know, there was that. You know, other other fighters, too. All the fighters. He would just, BJ would take him down and just, just own him. I was like, yeah, no one's. I was like, he's not that good. I'm like, he was like, whatever. Like, bring, you know, whatever. I'll, one day when I come, I'll try. I'll, I'll show you guys. There's no way. There's no way. They're like, oh, he's gonna take you down. He's gonna control you. He'll get your back. He'll choke you. I was like, yeah, I was talking all this shit. Like, there's just no way. So that BJ comes in one night, and I'm like, all right. So we just, you know, we started rolling. He tapped me about five times in ten minutes. I don't even know if it was ten minutes. It was probably like six or seven minutes. But it felt like 10 minutes. <laughs> it was the worst. <laughs> it was. We started, touched hands, passed my guard right to my, and I, obviously I would turn to, you know, try to hip escape and get away. He'd go right to my back. His dexterity, his flexibility, all those things. He could just get to your back at any time. Rear naked choke. He, I think he want to say he tapped me, got to my back and tapped me twice, probably within like three minutes, two times. After that, he started slowing down going, okay, this, this kid's not on my level. And he just started slowing down and kind of like more or less like hitting other submissions. He probably tapped me, like I said, about five times in about seven to ten minutes. And I was just like the reality. Just made I, you feel good. Well, honestly, I, I say the same thing about other other people. But a lot of what I owe my career to was him. The re, That was a huge reality check at the time. I was like, okay, look, I, I pretty much quit my job after that and started training during the day with all the other fighters. And then training it at night. I was only training at night. Like I would come and train from, I'd get off work at say four o'clock, go to the gym at AK and I'd train for, I'd stay at the gym all night from like five 30 until nine o'clock at night. And then I'd go eat with Bob afterwards and I'd go home, sleep, go to work at 5 AM and then get off at two 30, three o'clock and then get stuck in traffic till I got to the gym. I'd be at the gym every night, you know, until nine o'clock at night. Cause you don't know what you don't know until you know. So then I showed up to fighter training and they're all there. You've got, you had Sharuto there, JD Penn, Reagan Penn. You had Niza, you had, um, geez. I mean, you had Frank Shamrock, Brian Johnson, you know, Bob Cook, Dave Velasquez, Ryan Bowe. I mean, Charles Taylor. I mean, there was a bunch of other fighters that came in and out, you know, but we had a lot of, a lot of good fighters. Kelly Delonte. You know, we had a lot of good fighters that were in there at the time, but I didn't ever train with them during the day. And then I realized what fighter training was. We did a little bit of bag work, you know, sparred our rounds, and then we grappled for three to five rounds. It was like a whole different eye-opening experience of not just, like, jumping in to take classes at night. But to touch back on what you're saying with Mackenzie Dern, yeah, the, these girls, none of them will understand. They think they have jiu-jitsu. They don't have that jiu-jitsu. They don't have no. that level of jiu-jitsu. And she's so damn good. I had the same thing. This is a long time ago, but you know, I used to be able to roll with Hicks and Gracie. Joe, Joe Rogan always said, "What was it like rolling with Hicks and Gracie?" And I would tell him, 
it was fucking horrible. <laughs> fucking horrible. I'm just telling you right now because everything that you learned, everything that you did that worked for you against everyone else, not even close. Yeah. And then he would get to the point he would do the whole thing of, all right, I'm going to submit you with an arm bar on your left arm. So all you got to do is protect your left arm. Everything else, your neck's free, your right arm's free, everything's free. And he would submit you with an arm bar on your yeah. left arm. It was horrible. But no, it was actually great. But he was so much better than everyone else. And just the way he did things. And you go, now I've seen it all. Because And you would watch him roll. with. There would be guys who would come in, black belts that were world champions. He'd just eat them up. I mean, tear them apart. Make them look just bad. And you go, okay, I feel better about myself. <laughs> it's, you know, he was just that good with everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, Albino looked good. Uh, Marquez. Oh, yeah. He, Julian Marquez. He looked phenomenal. Phenomenal against Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey very, had his moments. Yeah. But the loop. But a very was, smart, smart fight by Julian as far as in and out, the way he, because, you know, Sam's throwing big, heavy shots. He gave feints, made Sam throw where he's missing a lot, and then took the opportunities where Sam was out of position and hurt him. Well, I think like I have to go back to what Anik was saying because I would agree. The, the little right hook or the little right, like short overhand right, right hook was landing. But the, yeah. the, only, time the, really, the only time it really landed, though, is when Sam Alvey threw the straight left, not the hooking left. Every time he threw the straight left, it kind of pushed him back enough for the right hook to land. But majority of the time, Sam Alvey was throwing the, the left hook and the right hook and the left hook. And so then Marquez, all he had to do was get inside that pocket right here, like basically forehead to chin, and just realize that, like, I'm not going to get hit from this position because you're looping everything. He's got to start throwing straight punches. I mean, he, he had rocked uh, Marquez for a second there. I want to say in the second round, he had rocked him a little bit. In the beginning of the second? Or maybe it was in the yeah, end. Yeah, I heard him at one point. Yeah, I think you heard him in the beginning in the beginning of the second. Yeah. Uh, you know, you heard him in the beginning. Anyways, and so, but it was with a straight punch. You gotta you gotta get back on the on the straight punches. Like, he gets too much into the clubbing area where just you wanna be, you know, you wanna you wanna get that knockout. When you start falling in love with your power, that's what happens. And then nothing comes out the way it's supposed to. And and that was kind of the beginning and the end. Yeah. But nice choke at the end. That's two submissions in a row. Dar choke on one. I guess uh, DC called this a schoolyard joke. It's not a schoolyard joke. <laughs> Looks like one. <laughs> you have to be in front of him. But, yeah. Um, uh, what What's funny is when Marquez does his interviews. He's great. He is. But you would never imagine that voice with that beard for the stuff that comes out of his mouth. I think he's great. I love him. Phenomenal. I love I love yeah. guys like that that have a great personality and they just don't take it doesn't seem like he takes life too serious. And I, I absolutely love being around those type of people. Indeed, all the people he challenged and he said badminton or pickleball. Yeah, love it. <laughs> and that's my Kansas City Chiefs. So he's challenging all of them. Yeah, yeah. Tyree Killer just run over you, buddy. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be zipping around. Yeah. Catch but I have no idea where to go. That pickleball. He said, yeah. play you pickleball. And I'm like, bro, what are you going to do with, with him? <laughs> Yo, Tyree Killer going to run everywhere. Um, But then you have, uh, you told me to watch out for Arnold Allen because I didn't know anything about him. Honestly, yeah. I didn't know anything about him. But then I, I had seen Yusef fight before a bunch of times, a couple Super times. Super explosive. Super explosive, right. fast, very technical. Um. Yeah. You know, but it was the the defense that got him in trouble. Just wasn't on point with the defense. And um, 
what's it called? Uh, Allen's timing on landing clean shots was there. Technically cleaner. Yeah. But I think a lot of that would set that up was that Yusuf had to really try and get through his defense, Allen's defense. And when he was trying too hard to get through the defense, Allen was able to capitalize on that. Partly, but it was also the fact that every time that Yusuf was throwing, he was hitting a lot of arms, wasn't getting through, and it was the clean shots inside. The straighter shots landed. You know, this is what, you know, you get a guy that Arnold Allen doesn't look like. I mean, he, he looks good as far as, you know, physically, but he's not super fast. And you look and you go, hey, he's, he's doing good, but he just continues to flow in the fight and keeps putting shots on guys. And he just keeps building and building and building. You go, hey, this guy's good. And I've watched him multiple times now. That, I, I, don't know, I don't know how many fights that is in the UFC for him. It's got to be about, I don't know, t- eight to 10 undefeated. He's good. Mm. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, he did everything that I was like, he just looked like he was covering in the first. He was just covering up and letting them, yeah. uh, you know, letting Yusuf take shots. Kind of smart when you're going against a guy that's real powerful and fast. Yeah, but I was like, oh, this is not the way you're going to win the fight, dude. You're, <laughs> you're going to let time go by and, you know. But then his timing on when to throw things. I said, like, he's not like he's not going to do anything impressive. You had pointed that out last time we had talked about him. But he, you're right. Nothing looked impressive. But what won him the fight was he landed at the right time, at the right moments, that won him the round. Yep. You know, I mean, rocked used to drop through Yusuf in the first round and then rocked him in the second, which pretty much won him the fight. You know, and just dominant performance. I thought it was a very dominant performance. Um, but like you said, didn't do anything spectacular. He just did what he needed to do to get the win and get out of there. Great job. Yep. Um, all, all about getting that win. How many times have you said that? Yep, yep. Because I mean, like realistically, what was seven or eight wins in a row? Now they got to be talking. I mean, you got to be talking getting closer to the top three, four. You know, let's fight somebody in that top four or five now. Have to. Where's he at right now? Is he even in his Where was he? What did he say? He's down to ten. Oh, he's number ten. Ten. One forty-five is ten. Oh, 45. 45. Yeah. There he goes. He's at ten. Um. Danny Ige is already fighting Korean Zombie. Yeah, which is a great fight. You know what? Don't change that one. No, no. Arnold Allen and uh, Calvin Cater. Calvin? Yeah. Yep, yep. Unless Josh Emmett's coming back soon. But I'd like to see Cater. After what I saw from him tonight, defensively and and all, I think the Calvin Cater fight. And Calvin Cater coming off of a fucking, just a beating. One of the great, one of the best performances you'll ever see. Yeah, but I mean, just coming off a of fucking beating. Like, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to build Arnold Allen, you know, uh, Calvin, well, if you're Arnold Allen and you're gonna have to face Calvin, you want to face him now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is true. Just being honest. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's jump into the main event: Marvin Vittori versus Kevin Holland. Kind of went exactly like I thought it was gonna go. You know, I. I I'm glad Mr. Big Mouth didn't run the mouth. I thought he fought it. I thought he fought. He fought a first round that was good. As soon yeah. as the eye got damaged, it looked like he started using that as an excuse not to keep fighting. He had moments, you know, but the eye, he he, he throughout the fight he kept like playing pawing with it, it, touching it, pawing at it, like wincing a lot. And I know, I know, I've been in that situation where it bugs you. 
But do you want to win or do you not? And that's kind of the situation. He was tired already after I think that you know after he got taken down that first time, he was tired. He had a lot of activity also. Um, those first two rounds, you know, off the back, he had a beautiful sweep where he did the little roll through sweep on that. It was very nice, almost like a little pendulum sweep to get to the top. Yep. Position. I was like, wow, <laughs> didn't expect that. But you know, when he, he uses his length in the stand up, man, he's actually really good. And he smothers himself too much. He jumps in. So jumps in, crushes that space. Yeah, he needs to stay long. But when he uses his length, he does really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't care if you don't know how to wrestle. I, what I care is that you, you, he learns to settle in on his back. No, yeah. you're not winning fights, especially against the top guys. You're never going to win a fight like that. Your jiu-jitsu may be black belt level, but it's not going to be black belt level against the top guys. No, it's not going to be black belt level when people are, you know, dropping elbows and punches yeah. on your head consistently. Yeah, and so that's kind of where he's at right now. Two losses in a row. He had a great 2020. Had a sh so far, it's a shitty start to 2021. <laughs> you know, so um, I don't know, man. I, I look. What I liked is he did. He did seem like he took it more serious. But also, when you take it more serious, like the way he seemed like he took it, came in, kind of a little bit of a dog face on him, you know, like, you know, playing the tough guy. The problem is, though, is that that makes you more tired. You have that energy that's being spent. And I know that people don't like the the laughing and the joking around. Happy. A lot and the happy. I love it. I love yeah, it. Right. But as long as you're fighting. And that was the yeah. problem that he did last time. I don't care if you do that, but fight. And he didn't fight last time. He was talking versus fighting. This time, he fought. But I think he, he he took the fight on short notice. He burned a lot of his energy, you know, um, being, like, you know, that angry. We saw glimpses of that laughing and smiling. Not laughing and smiling, but we saw a little bit of that talking during it. And I felt like that was when he was the most peppy. He, he had the most pep in his step. You know, he landed a couple good shots. All you can do is just wrestle me. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to wrestle. I, he was telling him that. I thought those were good exchanges. And when you're talking to someone like Vittori, you could tell Vittori trying to be that mentally strong person, but it was frustrating him a little bit when he was talking to him. I think Vittori would have been the guy to talk to. You know what I mean? It made, it made uh, Brunson extremely tired, too, because he was talking so much. But the problem was he was talking so much against Brunson, but he wasn't fighting. Yeah. This time, he didn't talk as much as he could have, and he was fighting. I think the two things would have went better together, but you still got to get up off your back. But, but the problem is this. And it's the, the Brunson fight set it up. And we talk about it. The blueprint is there. Yeah. How do you beat Kel Kevin Holland? Well, then let me show you the blueprint. Here's Derek Brunson. Here's Marvin Vittor because he just used the same blueprint of take him off his feet, put him on his back. He's a black belt in jujitsu. Just pound on him and he'll slow down and he'll just start holding on in those positions. And he doesn't really work at getting to his feet much. Yeah. He'll actually just stay in that position. So you're looking and going, got to change it just like what you're saying you cannot accept being on the bottom unless you're going to go for those submissions you got you have the three aspects and you know josh we talk about all the time if you end up on your back first thing if, okay either look for a submission if the submission's not there look for the reversal if the reversal's not there get back to your feet mm -hmm. but you cannot just guard somebody up and think that you're going to do well in this fight by holding on to them and trying to hold posture and stuff like that Sports passing you by, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's touching what you just said. It's the sweep, submit, get up, or submit, yep. sweep, get up. And those first yep. two are interchangeable. You exactly. know, if I go for the submission, I can't get it. I sweep. I try to go for the sweep, can't get it. Then I kick you back and get back to my feet. 
if I can't, and if, like I said, the first two interchangeable, and I go submit, I go for a submission, can't get it, I sweep you and can't get it. If I go for the yep. sweep, can't get it, I go right to the submission, can't get it, kick you back and get up. It's all about getting back to your feet, getting to the, you cannot win. It's very hard. It's very, very hard to win fights these days from your back. Well, the other part of, you know, that whole, you know, what we're talking about, you go, you know, submit, sweep, get to your feet or whatever you want to say as far as, you know, your, the way someone wants to do it. All of them put your opponent who's on top of you in a position they have to defend. I got to defend against the submission. I have to defend against the sweep or I have to work at trying to keep you down, which all of those keeps you from getting damaged. Yeah. So very true. That's why I still have all my good looks because that was my mentality for the last <laughs> years. <laughs> uh, we could talk about that. Well, you know. <laughs> I have a job in TV because, you know. Ooh, there it is. I have a job in TV. Because I got this face, baby. See, that's why they put you at the cage. You don't got to look at you very much. Exactly. <laughs> I agree. I know. I'm at the desk. Oh, uh, <laughs> all right. What you got for us there, podcast, Dave? We have a couple of bits of news. Um, the first being Ryan Bader, unwilling to vacate heavyweight title, suggests that Bellator make an interim belt. I'm okay with it, but I, I'm glad that he suggested that, you know, make the interim belt. Let me finish out this tournament see what happens. I mean, let's be honest. He may lose to Corey Anderson if Corey Anderson wins or uh, Yagashimurodov. Yeah, that's a fucking mouthful. Come on, baby. Yagashimurodov. Yagashimurodov. Um, he, may yep. lose, he, may lose to the, he may lose to the winner of that fight. So he may be back sooner than people think, or he could, he could win that fight and be in the finals of whoever else is across the way. Right. So, um, like, let him go ahead and finish this out. I mean, this is this is a big deal for him to win this tournament if he can get it done. He's already been in the tournament format before. And I want to see how far he can go. He's got a lot to prove. Was the Nemkov thing a fluke because he had to cut all the weight? Or has it really just passed? Is, is, is the 205-pound division past him now because the younger generation's kind of coming up and they're faster and they're whatever it is, you know? Um, and they're evolving. And for I've always said this. If you have an ounce of wrestling, a decent amount of wrestling, you in the heavyweight division will have success. You'll do good. Yes, he'll do well. So yep. we'll see. I, agree. I think I think like I think it I think it's smart for them to have someone fight for the interim title. And then he goes up there and he defends it. I agree. I like it. What uh oh let's talk let's talk about the rankings real quick. I don't have the rankings, but let's talk about the brackets here. You've got Bader who's already advanced. You got Corey Anderson versus uh Yakshamuradov. Uh, that's Look at how well you did with that. I'm so proud. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been practicing. <laughs> well, you know what helped me, right? Was uh, MCW, Michael C. Williams, our announcer. He wrote it out phonetically for me. So once I, once I read it phonetically, I was like, oh, it makes total sense. Did he have to explain to you what phonetic means as well? Yeah. <laughs> You're from Scotland. Let's not talk about education. Uh, and let's talk. No, let's not America. talk about phonetics because it doesn't yeah. work with your language. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you live in this. This works better my language actually. Mm. Uh, um, but then you got Nemkov uh, Davis, which is a rematch. And in that first fight, John, you'll you'll attest to this: is that Nemkov won the first two rounds dominantly, but then lost the uh, lost the uh, third round, and he yep. lost it. I wouldn't say he went lost it convincingly, but it ended up being a split decision, right? It was. It was a split decision. Someone gave it to Davis. Yeah, one of the judges. So, that must have been the one that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you got Rumble and Romero. Which that's a, that's a good one. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. What I think though too is I want people to, I I have I have I don't know if you heard me on the broadcast, but I I have Romero as the dark horse. Yeah, I know. He is uh, the smaller guy. And that's you not being a homer because AJ's your your bud. He's my boy. Yeah, AJ. My I I think I think AJ beats him. But I'm saying if I'm gonna pick someone higher, whoa whoa whoa, whoa 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 whoa. Then how is Romero your dark horse? Because if he gets past AJ, I think there's a good chance he can win. But you're saying he's not going to get past AJ. Where's your logic? My logic is that if he does get past AJ, that he's he's going to fight. That I said he was the dark horse. Got a good chance to win. Um, The reason why I'm saying that is because he's got better wrestling than Ryan Bader and Phil Davis. Now he's got better wrestling than Nemkov. Also, Nemkov's got a busy, active guard from the bottom. He's got better striking, but uh, Romero is just one of those. He's he's a. You don't know which one's going to show up. That's one. He can be explosive at any time. He can do what he did to Chris Weidman at any time. He can do what he did to Derek Brunson at any time. He can do that. And I think also him not having to cut weight, you don't know what he's going to be like. Ah, that's the difference maker for me. I think, Mm -hmm. personally, 205, he's going to be a stud. Because I've always said, the you see how much weight he cuts, and it kills him at times. And I think it's weight a bunch of times. Yeah, because he cuts a lot of weight. Yeah. And I think at 205, he's going to feel good. He's going to have energy. He's going to have the ability to go. And I think 205 is a good weight for him. We'll I see. like it. Yeah, I like it. The only reason why I'm a little nervous about the 205 for him is that he's not tall. So he's what? Not, what is he? Five show show me the tall guy in any of that besides Corey Anderson's the tallest one that, that's there. Them coughs what? 6'1"? Yeah. 6'1". Phil Davis is six foot. Okay. I mean, no tall guys. Six three is the tallest guy. No, I know, but Romero's what five eight. No, <laughs> he doesn't look tall. Five eleven. Five eleven. Five eleven. Six foot. Oh, he's yeah. six foot. Never mind then. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because when I see him next to uh, Masvidal, they almost look the same height. <laughs> Masvidal's five eleven, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They would look. Close yeah, to they the look same the same height. height. Yeah, that's an inch. Yeah, that's, I guess it is an inch. That's an inch. No yeah. big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six foot. I mean, we'll see. I guess we'll see. But I, I, I think I also think that that the the lack of the weight cut or not having to do the weight cut is going to help him. I do think so. Yeah, it's going to help him. Have a but big he's got effect. a handful with Rumble, man. And everyone I've been talking to it at Sanford MMA says that Rumble looks good. You know, he dealt with a little sickness. He got he got sick for a little bit, and then, um, but he said coming back from that, he's been feeling great. Good phenomenal so i hope so let me see but i mean that side of the bracket geez. oh it's mean jeez that's why i said man they did they did nemkov no favors as no. the champion no. Here, you're our champion let us do this for you You would think right Bader, uh bellator would be like you know what? let's put you on the side where you you know where you've already beat bader let's put you on that side <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like you know so no i will give uh, you phil davis who you know what he you already had a hard fight with him and then if you yeah. get past phil davis it, davis if that happens now you get the winner of rumble and romero wow and then you get either you know Corey anderson bader or yagashimurdo yeah i i think the winner of that 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 side of the bracket wins the whole thing i mean Corey Corey anderson and nemkov i think it's gonna be a tough fight it will, will be a it'll be a, a good fight but i think if rumble ends up fighting Corey anderson i think he puts him away Rumble speed, rumble straight punches. Like he's he's quick, he's good at stuff and takedowns. I mean, but if Corey can get him down, 
if Corey can get him on his back, I mean, that's the remedy. Everyone knows what the remedy is if you want to beat AJ, is to get him down, get him taken down. I just don't know if he can. You know, Yoel probably could do it because of his wrestling, but can he hold mm-hmm. him down? That's one. And, uh, yeah, can you not take any shots on the way in? That's the other thing. <laughs> so, makes for makes for uh, a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, I'm glad we're seeing that fight in the first round, though. Oh, so much. It had to happen. Did you see Aljo tweet about the gloves and how Bellator should use them all the time? Who? Aljo tweeted it. And, Who's and Aljo? Who's Aljo? The bantamweight champion in the UFC. No one gives a shit. He, he's going <laughs> to get stripped here sh- shortly anyway. Oh. Okay. But it was just interesting because I actually do really like the white gloves. Just what do you guys think about the white gloves? Uh, I love them. I actually already t- I already reached out to Rich Chow and uh, Coker. I said, hey, I want a pair just to frame. Put up. I just want a pair. I want a pair to frame. I'm not going to ever fight. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not going to wear that shit. I'm going to frame them. Put them up in my fucking right behind me. You see right behind me? I'm gonna like, put yeah, it's up. all white there so they'll blend in. Yes, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of the champs, so the last piece of news just to round this show out. Um, uh, Aljo, so Peter Yan comes out and says, Your ass is getting stripped. P word. Um, and then also, What's P word. Fan- P-word. Uh-huh. It's a P word. Do you want to say it? No. <laughs> I'm, a man, I'm a man of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I just. Fuck. I almost fell out of my chair laughing. Um, despite having my second baby out of wedlock. Okay? Oh, jeez. Second <laughs> <laughs> like baby out of wedlock. Um, and then, so in addition to the Peter Yan saying that, um, uh, fans are basically coming out and saying he needs to get stripped because of his upcoming neck surgery that he's now come out and said, talked about. So I'll just get neck surgery, which is going to hold up a further fight. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. For the dummy saying he's out for nine months. And, loses. and he loses. Who says he's who's faking shit? See if you're a peanut butter. I don't even know what he's talking. Yeah. Al Jermaine's gone full heel. <laughs> we, I, yeah. When he did some video with him dancing with the belt, someone sent it to me. And I'm like, he's absorbing the fact. He's just taking it all in. That he's, yep. He sees the hill now. Just you've got to just be the hill. The problem with being the hill, run with it. Once, yeah, you got to run with it. But the problem is when you start, when you lose, it's done. Like people don't like that's the the one thing that kept Mayweather so fucking popular. He's never lost. Yep. More people wanted to see him lose. They bought the pay per views to watch him lose. He never lost. But like John Jones, he took a, he absorbed the hill. He's never lost. I mean, you can say he's never lost. You know what I mean? Like. Those guys have never lost. That's yeah, why they've been able to do it. Koscheck played the hill. As soon as he lost, people are like, "Yeah, he's a piece of shit. He's this. He's that." That's people are gonna <laughs> say. Now it's gonna get even worse. You play the whole. Like, I always knew you were nobody. You were nothing. You suck. Yeah, this yeah. and that. And it, it's hard to come back from being the hill and having success and then losing. Now you're the hill, but now you're just the hill that's bitter and and about being the hill. I don't know whatever you, however you want to put it, but you're. I think it kind of plays with your with yourself too because you've been the hill and you're having success and then well, now you're the hill against and everyone hates you and you're losing. I, I think the problem with being the heel is if you're really actually a nice guy. Yeah. And and you you like people and you like, you know, things and then it really works against you. But is is Aljo a nice guy? I don't know. Never really talked to him that much, so it's not like Cost was a nice I know. guy. But you guys didn't see it. No. Cost was, was a nice guy. <laughs> you guys just didn't see it. Not many of us did. 
Oh, he had his moments. He had his moments. Uh, what is he? It says, for the dummy saying he's out for nine months and the losers who say he's faking shit, see you in October, peanut butter pan. Sincerely, your champ. Suck it and life goes on. UFC bantamweight champion from, from Brett uh, Akimoto says, Sterling to undergo neck surgery next week. Spoke to him about the injury timeline of recovery when he could defend his belt. Well, what do you think the UFC does? Do you think they strip him? Mm, I don't think so. I think I think what they do is I think I think they should have an interim. They should have Peter Yan fight somebody else for an interim and then okay. forces him to fight the winner of that as soon as he comes back. Because if Peter win, if Peter wins, he has no choice to get to fight Peter. Boy, do you think Aljamain might be rooting against Peter Yan in that fight if he took oh. interim titles? Like, oh, you lost, get out, you're out, bye. Who's the number two guy, Sanhagen? Yeah. Yeah, it's Sanhagen. Who Aljamain has beaten. Yes. Yeah, fantastic performance. Yeah, Peter, but Peter and Sanhagen would be a good fight. But Sanhagen's fighting who? Rob, uh, not Rob Font. Uh, no, yeah, Dillashaw. Dillashaw. Yes. Who is back. That's another one. That's another guy. Oh, yeah. That... We're going to see if he's the same T.J. Dillashaw that left two years ago. Two years? Three. Two. Two years. Two years. Jeez, man. Long time. I don't know. I, I hope, part of me hopes T.J. proves everyone wrong. But because I, I'm, I'm okay with giving him a, I'm okay with, got to give him a second chance. But part of me is like, you should pay for being, <laughs> you should pay for cheating. But he did pay. He paid the two years. I mean, that's they paid. Money. Yeah, that, that's the my whole thing with any of that is you look and people are like, oh, yeah. It's like, what? What do you want? You want him to give it? You know, you want him to give him a leg? You want him to give an arm? He's paid. Took two years out of his career. That's a lot. It's a lot of money. There's a lot that's there, and uh, you know, as a fighter, you've only got so many years. He paid. Comes back. He's clean. He tests right. It's gone. If he doesn't have success, people are going to say it was all the drugs. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Completely. How do you explain that to your kids? I don't think your kids ever really know. And eventually, you're going to have to be honest with them and say, uh, let me explain it to you this way. I made a mistake. I screwed up. I uh, I did something I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Wrong. What more are you going to say? You know, when, when, you, when you make a mistake... You have to be willing to say, I made a mistake. And if people can't accept it, then they can't accept it. That's their problem. But if you're honest about it and you say, yeah, I did. I made a mistake. I screwed up. People yeah. are, most times people are willing to say, okay, he said he was, he, he made a mistake. They're, they're willing to let it go. It's when you lie about it, you lie about what you did. That's when people will hold on to something forever. Yeah. Yeah, I want I, I want to see him have some success coming back, you know, because I, I believe that a lot of his abilities didn't come from just that, you know. I mean, I mean, he, yeah. It's so. it's just it's I want to see him have. Some, he, he's talented. There's no doubt about it, you know. But there's a lot of there is a lot of upside to to using PEDs, you know. Sure there is train longer. You can develop. You know, you develop. Uh, Let's be honest, EPO gives him an advantage that he can go longer, harder without getting as tired. And one of the things that TJ did was put, you know, a lot of movement, a lot of pressure, yeah, a lot of volume. We'll see if he can do the same thing without it. Yeah. Didn't help him with Henry. No, it did not. Mm -mm. 
Oh, but the weight cut, weight cut didn't help him either. Uh, uh, what else you got for us there, Dave? Yeah, that's that on news. All right. Give us some fan questions. Well, how many you want to do, John? Save. Uh, do a couple. Let's go. A couple. Let's go. Okay. We haven't slept for how long now? Yeah. Exactly. Cool. 40 hours over here. Yeah, I know. Poor John. <laughs> At least we got to film early today, though. Oh, yeah. If it, we had, life if easy for me. We would have to film tonight after if the if the UFC was tonight and until ten, I'd be like, you know what? Let's just film tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> you would have gave in, man. Oh, would have caved. I'm such a wimp. Uh, all good. Um, all right. Let me, oh, where did that go? There it is. Yeah. Uh, Ivan Cordero Roman asks: um, In the earlier stages of MMA, was there ever a technique as rapidly revolutionary as the calf quick kick in present times? Uh, in early day MMA, yeah, yeah, it's called it was called the armbar. <laughs> uh, well, you, you know, it, look, if you go and you look at the history of MMA and how things basically started and what happened, you had evolutions throughout it. You know, the the reason for the first UFC was look, it was an infomercial. Let's be honest. It was an infomercial for Horian Gracie to put out Gracie Jiu-Jitsu to the world because he had been, you know, going and doing all these demonstrations in high school gyms and everything, and you could only get to so many people. And in this one, he was going to be able to get to this, you know, hopefully 25,000 is what they were hoping, Mark, and it ended up being 87,000. And so 87,000 people got an infomercial on Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. Here is this smaller guy wearing pajamas who's beating all the bigger guys. Yeah. I can tell you back then, you know, as part of, you know, as a student in his school, he probably had maybe 120 to 150 students mm-hmm. at the time. That's not a lot, you know? And one week after that, he was at 500. Two weeks after it, he was at 1,000. Three weeks after it, he was at 1,500. And he was now starting to, he's going to build another place because he just started getting students. Because everyone all of a sudden said, oh, I want to do that. So it worked. And you look, that was the evolution in the beginning of people started to actually take submission and grappling and say, oh, it is a martial art. And, oh, it is effective. And then you had the progression of, you know, Marco Huis came in and leg kicked poor Paul Varlins, the polar bear, six foot eight from, you know, played at the, you know, with the Spartans in San Jose State. Six foot eight, 400 pounds, basically, and kicked his legs till he took his legs out. Yep. And all of a sudden, leg kicks were a big thing, right? But the wrestlers kind of took it away with Mark Coleman coming in. And with Mark Coleman, the, we basically called him the, the, the godfather of ground and pound. He would take his head at the time. You could headbutt. <laughs> People would, would guard up Mark Coleman after he took him down and wrap his arms and he would use his head as a striking instrument to the point they had to let go. And then he would crush him because he was big and strong and he was, he had great base. He was an Olympic wrestler. And so it was just this evolution of things that happened. And the calf kick is an evolution of something that happens and people are going to figure it out and figure out how to, to deal with it. And then it's going to be something else. That's what makes the sport what it is. Yeah. I would say it was probably the, the Dars. It was, I would say, that something that came on the scene. Was it uh, Nogara used it, I think, first in Pride? No, Nogara used the Anaconda. Anaconda, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I would say probably the Anaconda. That was probably, like, one of the first, like, submissions that really took on. Maybe the heel hook. First Darce in the UFC. Who was it? I already told you once. 
Yeah. Kendall Grove. Kendall Grove against Alan Belcher. Tom, I got hit a lot for 20 years. (laughs) Okay. We could have talked about it 20 minutes ago. I've already forgot. No, no, the Anaconda for, you know, there was Anaconda. There's the Dars. Uh, I would say Hill Hooks. That came onto the scene kind of around the Ken Shamrock time, right? Well, Ken Ken Shamrock, you know, uh, Hill Hook, Pat Smith in the very first UFC. Yeah. So I would say it's more of the Hill Hook. I think the Hill Hook was kind of like it kind of captivated people. I know that a lot of gyms kicked it out. Like they weren't really, you weren't allowed to use them in gyms because they would hurt people. You know, um, there's a lot there's a lot of submissions that have come and gone but the calf kick itself they're gonna have to figure out a way to to defend it because everyone kept saying like well how do you defend this how do you defend like this is one of those things that your leg's always there you know and it and it's it's a gradual beating of it that does the damage you know sure one or two times it can it can happen but there's a gradual beating of it that, that does the damage with the submissions though that that can be that can be figured out and learned how to stop the kicks, you start every round on your feet. And so all I got to do is one or two hard kicks, you know, throughout a round. And by the fifth round or the end of the third, you're having a hard time walking. So it's going to be it's gonna be interesting. People are going to have to start opening their stance more to turn their, their shin out. But then that opens up the inside leg kick. And we're seeing a lot of people now, instead of going to the inner thigh, they're going to the calf there as well. And that hurts like a son of a bitch. They all hurt. There's no meat. There's no meat there. That's the biggest. That's why the damage adds up so quick. Yeah. So, all right, give me another one. Um, Jesse Mathis says, I got a question for Big John. I was re-watching old fights this weekend and watched UFC 11.5. What happened in the Tank Abbott versus Cal Warsham fight? One of the weirder moments I've ever seen in the UFC. 11.5? There was 11.5? That's what he wrote. There was? Nah, I think that that was the ultimate, that was the first uh, ultimate, maybe it was the second ultimate ultimate. I think it was the second ultimate ultimate. Um, where Tank Abbott fought Cal Worsham and tried to throw him out of the cage. Mm. That was the big thing there. And then Cal was, you know, he was upset with the whole thing. And you know, he thought that uh, Tank was, um, I can't remember exactly what he was so upset with, but I, you know, eh, I can't answer your question. I don't remember what he was so upset with, but he was because Tank was trying to throw him out of the cage. But if, you know, he had thrown him out of the cage at the time, it wasn't illegal. It was, we'd open up the gate and come back in. (laughs) Interesting. What else you got for us, Dave? Sorry, I can't answer it. I don't remember. (laughs) Um, It wasn't that important to me. Abayomi Maja asks, what's the biggest fight Bellator could possibly make in terms of build-up? I'd love to see Usman versus... Uh, Usman Nurmagomedov versus Dylan Danis at 170 with Khabib and Connor in their respective corners. Um, the biggest fight they can make right now is not just not right now. I think in this whole year would be AJ and Patricio. Yes, that's the fight's going to happen. I think it's like July, June, or July. They're talking about having it if everything goes right. That's the biggest fight they can make. You have your pound for pound Bellator best fighter fighting the young, the the young up and coming, young undefeated. Uh, Undefeated. Done every one of his every one of his seventeen fights has been in Bellator. You're yeah. talking about homegrown. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you got him, and then my, the other one would be to, for me is your other star is Douglas Lima fighting Yaroslav Amosov, who's twenty five and zero. You have two undefeated fighters who are pretty much have been developed in your promotion. Yaroslav Amosov had a lot of fights outside earlier, but he's relatively unknown. Now he is known, but he's had a lot of fights in Bellator and is still undefeated. He's beat everybody. 
And so if you have those two young undefeated fighters fight your current, basically your one and two pound for pound best fighters in your in your promotion, I mean, th- those are your two biggest fights. Your your biggest problem with what he's saying, Usman is a 155-pound fighter. Yeah. Dennis is a 170-pound fighter. Yeah. Um, so they're not in the same weight class. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean that Usman couldn't go up. Uh, Dennis would have a hell of a time trying to get him down, and he'd be eating a lot of shots. Yeah. So on the ground, Dennis is really good, but Usman's not bad. Hmm. Next. Yeah, we don't know if Usman, we don't know if Danis could take the ground and pound that Usman's going to deliver. You know, that submission game might go right out the door once the once you're getting hit in the face. It's different. Um, Jonas Romanos asks: um, TJ Dillashaw tainted, or can he redeem his legacy after the suspension? We just talked about it. I mean, yeah. he really, uh, he is tainted. But if he has success, I think it, it redeems himself. If he has no success, it just it will just. It'll make everyone feel like he, all of his success before was because of the juice. You know, here's here's the real problem. T.J. Dillashaw admitted. He admitted, I did it. I made a mistake. I screwed up. So what more do you want of him? Yeah. Do I think that he can redeem himself? Yes. Uh, I think the biggest, you know, when I say here's the problem, there's been too many guys that have done something and then they try to say i haven't and this is where i'm saying if you're honest people will forgive you it's when they think you're lying that they'll continue to just you know stick it towards you and now yeah, you're this because they think you're lying whether you are or not they think you're lying they're just gonna you know ride you hard what more what can they do with tj he admitted it so yeah i did it it's gone yeah. i mean two years okay it's over yes you did it can he get his career back? Yeah, he can get his career back. Is it always going to be there? Yeah, it'll always be there. But he can make, you know, the second part of his career, you know, stand out. He'll be known for it. And the one thing he's got is he's going to be tested by USADA. So, you know, they're the ones that caught him. We'll see if uh, he gets caught for something else. Yeah. My, my take on when I said that he has to redeem himself by winning is not that's not redeeming himself to me. That's re- I think that's going to be redeeming himself to people in the public. I've ar- I've I'm already okay with everything. He's like you said, he's admitted it. I would like to see the reason why I said I'd like to see him have success is so he's not further criticized by the public and by the casuals and everyone saying, "See all your successes because you cheated." Yep. I'm looking at it from a point of view of like he's a, he's a, he's a fighter. He's somebody that, you know, um it's not easy to do this job and there's a lot of pressure for fighters to do this job, especially when you start having success to continue that success. And he folded the pressure and it caused him to, you know, to use PEDs. Um, I look at it is that he, for him to redeem himself, he needs to get a couple of good wins, you know, one or two to show that it wasn't just all that and why he was good. And I already know that it wasn't just all that because he, the movement, the ability for his footwork, his striking, his wrestling, putting it all together. That's not PEDs. That's the ability of putting yourself in the gym and fucking refining your craft to make yourself hard to beat for anyone. You know, it's like, I, look, I get like when, when all the guys were hitting home runs fucking out of the ballpark. Sammy Sosa and Mark and Mark McGuire and everybody Barry else. Bond. Barry Bonds. Okay. Were they, were they using PEDs? Yes. But so were the pitchers. 
Yeah, but, the, but on top of that, though, it still takes hand-eye coordination to make fucking contact with a ball coming 100 miles an hour. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys go to the batting cage. It's, it's fucking so hard. You know what I mean? And to, to, to hit the ball and get it out of the park, sure, I get it. You're getting a little bit more oomph behind it. But it's the timing thing, you know? It's like, if it was that easy, why didn't... You know, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of other people in, the, in Major League Baseball using steroids. Oh, They, they weren't hitting home runs. They weren't hitting home runs because they didn't have the hand-eye coordination to touch the ball at the right time to get it over the fence. Anyways, I think with TJ, I think after he wins one or two through the USADA program and you know everything like that, I think uh, he's going to have some... It, it will redeem him to the casuals. What do you think? I agree. All right, last question I've got uh, is from Bashar Al-Jabassini. And he says, question for Josh. I need to hear you cheating for Podcast Dave once on my life will never be complete. It will never <laughs> I think Dave put that one in there. It will never happen. I'm sorry. Your life, your life will go down as a failure then. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Poor guy. No, no. I will never cheer for Podcast Dave. He's giving me too much of a headache. Okay? It's like, it's like having a... A child that you just got to continuously, like, just fucking, jeez, man, it's horrible. <laughs> Your brain didn't work too well for that one, did No, it? I just, there was it's, a lot. There's just so trying. much that I got to do with you. <laughs> Podcast Dave, yeah. That was, that, that, that was Big John. That was, that will never come <laughs> for me. Never come for me. Uh, Podcast Dave. Boo, boo. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, we're at night, almost 95,000 uh, subs on YouTube. Make sure you guys are sharing our videos. I know on top of just hitting the thumbs up and the little bell in the corner for the notifications, uh, but also comment in there. Keep it positive. We appreciate that. But share our videos. Take our clips. Take the link. Post it on your Facebook. Post it on your Twitter. Let everybody know, um, you know, areas, you know, that you liked about our show. Talk about it. Spread it around. We appreciate it. Like, make it like an STD. Just start sharing it to everybody. And let it spread. Yeah. Let it spread. Let it spread. Let it go. Let it go. Hey, you uh, know what? Thank you for all of the and stills. Keep on doing that because we will retweet those or put those back out. We'll put a like or uh, something on it because those are funny. They're fun. They're great. I love when they tag Ariel, too. I love it. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Um, yeah. I want you guys all to uh, I want to say thank you guys. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. I use the promo code. What is the promo code now? John, come on, tell him. 100K. No, it's not. No. Oh. I, I thought you knew it. What is it? And still. Oh, and still. And still. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. Well, that's that right. Last time we were talking about doing it, we weren't sure because sometimes it takes you a long time to get things done. That uh, was my fault. So, yeah. I should have known it was my failure. Sorry, Dave. Oh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne in. Promo code is and still. We have a Cinco de Mayo shirt coming out. Make sure you guys pick it's that. Out it's not out yet. When is yeah. it coming out? It's out. It's out oh, it's out May now. 5th. It's out until May fifth. Yeah. So it better be out. May fifth is coming. Yeah, it's a limited edition. So make sure you guys pick it up. It's the Cinco de Mayo. That's very. That's dope. That's dope. Cinco de Mayo weighing in shirt it says May fifth on it and Cinco de Mayo. So pick, make sure you guys pick that up. Anywhere on there does it say weighing in? No. Weighing in. Just our symbol. No, it's the logo too. Yeah, it's the logo. Supposed to be supposed. Got it. Josh, Josh doesn't have a creative mind, so he doesn't, you know, doesn't understand these things. It's got to say it for him to get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't, <laughs> I can't read either, so it's. <laughs> um. Yeah. So we have that shirt dropping, and then also to it towards uh, the end, we have um, the Memorial Memorial Day. Day. 
Yep, which Dave's going to have to come up and show us that one as well. We've got a plethora of other shirts as well. We've got the Terminator shirt. We've got a bunch of different colors as well. We've got the all black and white one now. I like that one, the uh, the black and white one that's up. That's like one of my favorites. I like to keep it simple, the black and white. Like John does his suits, you know. And is our home improvement one still up there? Uh, yeah. I, I wore that one. I, I wore that. And then our OG, our OG one. So we've got our home improvement one with Podcast Dave with his fingers hanging over the fence like Wilson. John and I sitting there in some loungers. And then we've got the OG <laughs> original um, logo shirt, which is Wayne. That's I think that's still kind of like my favorite. That's my favorite one. But oh yeah, make sure you guys go check it out. So and use that promo code. And still. And still. Uh, what else we got there? That's it. That's it. That's everything. I want to thank That's you guys for it. tuning in. And John, why don't you wrap this up for us, baby? Tell us. Uh, you know what? I need sleep. I haven't slept in a long time. So, everyone, we will see you.